Yo, I always have a bit of an issue with the fact that like, um, yo, can I ask you a quick question? Is that is that my drum throne? <laughs> it very well could be. <laughs> I think that might be my drum throne. It very. I've been staring well at it. Be. Shit, it's dude. probably been here since that hostage. We'll record. discuss this later. Yeah, anyway, yeah, um. <laughs> Yeah, I have an abundance of drums. Yeah, I'm just looking so at my. Like, I'm probably. I've been wondering where mine is. Like, I know where mine is. I don't know where these other like. Do you nine know where your drum from. throne is? Yeah. It's PSAs. Yeah. I said no. Quit asking me. <laughs> Son of milk carton. Yeah. Do you know where your drum throne is? is a- uh- Welcome back, Bannock folks. You're listening to another episode of Bannockdotes, the show that holds it down for the underground sound here in Ontario, Canada. You know, we showcase all sorts of genres from punk, hardcore, screamo, metal, uh, you know, sometimes shoegaze, anything of that sort. If the distortion pedal is on, the music is on here on the podcast. And then we take some of those musicians, or whether it's promoters or photographers, anybody involved in the music community, we bring them on the show and have them tell some of the wildest stories they have from being involved in band culture, you know, at a show, at a concert, or uh, on the road, or you know, at a gas station, or a something that's funny that's happened in the studio that made it onto a record any sort of anecdote involved with being in band culture entertaining to retell enough on the show and i'm your host phil paxton thank you for tuning in to today's episode we got a good one for you today but before i get into it don't forget to like and subscribe rate and review uh in whatever podcast app you're listening to uh follow us on our instagram at banecdotes b-a-n-d-e-c-d-o-t-e-s uh and if you want to be a part of the show in any capacity if you want to be a guest shoot me an email shoot me a message if you want your uh, music featured on the new music of the month that i do every last friday of the month where i take all of the new bands, uh, or not new bands, sorry, all the new music that has come out of Ontario that month, uh, and then I showcase them all in one show. Uh, I try to do as best as I can. Sometimes I miss a few here, but that's why I need you to bug me so I could showcase your music. There's no, there's no thing to it. I'm, I'm not grifting you at all. I, there's no catch. I just want to showcase your music because. You know, I didn't have this kind of platform when I was growing up, and I just want to give back to the community, uh, and that's why I'm doing this show. I just want to make sure that there's, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that there's so much cool music happening in Ontario, uh, and uh, it can be hard to catch it all, and uh, hopefully I'm doing a good job, um, but that's why I need your help. If you ever want your music featured, shoot me an email, and yeah, we'll uh, gladly do so. This week, my guest is Jarrett Mallier uh, of Powerbomb, Hostage, and Gavel. He plays drums in Hostage, and he plays both guitar in Gavel and in Powerbomb. He does a lot for the music community. He's been on a lot of plates. He was also showing me uh, like, like a little project that he was doing just before we sat down and uh, was doing a podcast. And he also mentions that he's got another project on the wor- uh, go uh, that he doesn't have a name for. Uh, so this guy's doing a lot, and uh, I'm really glad to feature him. He's been in bands in the past, and uh, he grew up in the Brampton music scene, and he, he really shed some light about how significant it was growing up there, uh, which was really cool uh, because I didn't really understand that there was much of a music scene happening outside of St. Catharines when I was growing up. It's funny how that can work. Uh, you know, you can take someone like Jarrett and have him say, 
five, ten local bands that really influenced him or that he got to play with or, or that were, he was friends with um, that influenced his kind of style of writing. And, and I would have no clue who they are. And I could spit back another five, ten bands. Uh, the same thing, vice versa, just of bands that influenced me growing up that he's probably never heard of. Because uh, the Internet exi- is, existed as a platform, but it wasn't necessarily as resourceful of a tool as it was. You know, we didn't have Spotify. Uh, YouTube was just starting out. It was just kind of silly videos on there at first. Nobody really used it as like music videos. Um, so yeah, I was really glad that we got to sit down and talk to each other, pick each other's brains. Or we talk about Metallica, which is great because everybody loves talking about that band. Everyone's got opinions left and right about them. We talk about cherished gear uh, and uh, a bit of that. Uh, kill room set that happened in september that a lot of people were talking about on twitter so we really get into it um so before i uh spill all the things that i we talk about i'll just quit talking and we'll get right into the show uh we're gonna get the show started off with a hostage tune uh here's their song black void here on banecdotes episode of bonus content dude i have like way too many fucking stories so if you ever needed just like a one like we could talk forever about i like that's the thing i tried to think about ones that i could bring 
And I was like, I've got a decent amount. And a lot of them are really good because I like being a storyteller. So it's like, <laughs> if you ever wanted stuff for just like, oh, we've got like, if it's like, listen in on this one day, where it's like, oh, we didn't have material for today. Here's like a bonus of just Jared's stupid fucking stories. Because <laughs> I have a lot of them. I Anytime we do one, I always find that like afterwards, I'm like, oh, fuck, I should have said about this yeah. or this. Like, oh, could have said about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be tough to like when you're in the moment yeah. rather than like listening to it back, what you want to hear and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I've got yeah, I've got a fucking lot of them, dude. It's You've done a couple awesome. podcasts, right? I've done. Uh, we're talking drums with my buddy Corey, who's doing the gavel record cor- uh, currently. Currently, currently. <laughs> I um I did um an episode of Bummer Boys, which was a really interesting. That one was a lot of fun because it's just we talk about sad music. <laughs> sad music. <laughs> That's it. This was like we talk about what song made us sad this week, and I was like, I I, I wanted to, my my friend Emily was on their podcast, and they uh they did such a fun episode and and. And I was, I remember listening to the whole time. I was like, oh, I want to be part of that conversation. And then I, I hit them up and was like, Emily, can you talk to them? <laughs> and they're, and they're like, yeah, okay. So they got me on there and I had a really fun time talking about, uh, just sad tunes That's and other sick. stuff. Yeah. It well, was really fun. We're started, eh? Yeah. yeah. I, I recorded a minute. A couple Lovely. Minutes ago. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. So how are you doing today? I honestly, I'm doing great. I finally had my first coffee of the day. Yeah. It feels good. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, we're here at Schoolhouse Studios, which is one of my favorite places. It's really late in the day to be having your first coffee. I woke up at 12. Fair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> On the weekend, I, I wake up very late. I appreciate you uh, showing up today because I had um, I had like guests drop on me and uh, you showing up last minute, so... Thank you. I, yeah, it's uh, it's rad because also after this, I'm gonna go to a wedding for uh, Rogers, my my guitar player and hostage. So that that's pretty fun. Oh, nice. That's exciting. Yeah. Getting married today? He's getting married today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I had I had some hours to kill before I got to go there, and, and then when you hit me up, I was like, yeah, I've got some time. I've got. <laughs> I literally have to be in Hamilton anyway. So that's this, great. This rules. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I I with uh, with Sinner, I had a show booked uh, this weekend at some point. I was trying to get hostage to play. And Dan was like, "Yeah, like we can't make it happen." You well, you messaged me about it as well. Yeah. Or so, someone messaged me about it, and I was like, "Yeah, dude." And then I messaged the group, and Rogers was like, "Well, I'm getting married," so I was like, "Oh, that's right. I'm also gonna be there." No, we cannot do yeah. this. <laughs> so uh, the last time I seen you was at the Kill Room. Yes. Yeah, that was a popping off show. Uh, lots that, of people talking did, about it. Oh man, that popped off like harder than uh, I think I. I don't know, man. I I think that was a good show. Yeah, everyone's been anticipating the return of shows. And I think, I think everyone knew that there was a bit of that like that tension, like good tension, where it's like you knew that people were just itching for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't expect it to go off. I mean, I think I'm also coming from the fact that like be- being in the opening, like everyone knows who's played a show when it's your first show as a band and you're the opening band. Trying to get people to give a shit about what you're doing mm-hmm. is very hard. Mm-hmm. But literally from like the first song we played, all of a sudden just like, oh, people are moshing already. What the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> you guys did a very good job of making thank you. that happen. Yeah, was... I did not expect that at all. I, I figured like people would just be kind of like watching, waiting for like the other favorite bands to go on because I mean the lineup was was really stacked, it was right? Good. Like yeah. it, was, it was really rad. Yeah. It, was, it was. I think it was also rad to play with so many bands that we were already friends with through mm-hmm. all of our other projects and stuff. So because like I mean like I'm still playing in Powerbomb and Hostage, and then my drummer. Uh, and bassist uh, Jordan and Greg McGovern, like they're both in Deadly Game as well, right? Who also played, right? Mm-hmm. So like that was uh, that was rather than to a do double duties, but it's just like, yeah, the fact that that was our very first gig, no one knew who we were, 
you know, uh, only only our friends who came out to watch knew what's been going on. We've been working on this for like the last, oh God, I think technically we've been working on this first record and this first batch of songs for a year and a half. Oh, wow. Almost like two, yeah. Like the last, when the band technically quote unquote started was, I've said this before, we went to a, a Piper Maru uh, friction show at Duffy's and it was like, I think just before really COVID kind of picked up and we decided we wanted to be in a band. And then like, we spent like most of quarantine and like just the, you know, the, the majority of um, the pandemic, we just spent time when we could just like really honing in on these songs, like reworking every, like there's a man, there's times where there's like a lot of like butting heads and stuff. And it's just, <laughs> but like in the end, when I look, like, I think part of that was my want to be a bit of a control freak because I kind of got the ball rolling on some of it. And then obviously the other guys were like, well, what if we took this on this direction? And sometimes I get a bit protective, but it's like the best thing that ever happened was the other guys getting their hands on it and like really wanting to turn it into something because like the songs we have now are so good. Like, <laughs> and that's from me being like, yeah, I, I, I presented a bunch of material and where they helped take it is like immensely better than it than it was. So I'm really excited to hear that. I, I can't I'm wait so for people excited. to hear it. We're getting pretty close to uh, being done the tracking for it, which Same. is sweet. Um to anyone, we haven't even mentioned anyone who's listening right now. The band is called Gavel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the new thing I'm working. I play in too many bands, but the newest one is is Gavel, and it's myself on guitar with uh, Jordan and Greg from Deadly Game. Uh, the guitar player from my very first metal band I was ever in is the other guitar player, Greg Mortley. Uh, he and I start like I was I was in my very first band with him. I was on drums. We're called Amrith. We started in grade ten. We went for like seven years. Nice. Yeah. And then um, our buddy Kyle that, again, I know through uh, Greg and um, Jordan McGovern, like, uh, yeah, our, our buddy Kyle just was like, he wanted to be vocalist in a band, which he's never done before. So that was especially really cool to see him like really go for it at that show. And like, everyone was like, oh, wow, that, that was really rad. I'm like, yeah, that was his first show I ever. I guess that. I yeah. know. Was, I was really proud of him. I'm just proud of him. I'm proud of the whole band, really, like. I was so stoked. What like I I watched the footage a lot, not in like a narcissistic way, like I'm not not not, <laughs> but more in just like living like reliving the hype of that night. Yeah, because you don't often get that kind of reaction. It was as, cool. as a band that yeah. no one's heard before. Some people were upset with that night, with just because how many people were there and how many people there was like a regulation. <sighs> I didn't like, know this until like two days. Ago it it, it became a bit of a divisive kind of topic. I've I've had oh man this is a tough one I've had some extensive chats about it with some people on like both sides of the argument and um, I, you know I don't know I, I I've tried to remain somewhat neutral I was kind of just like listen I, I'm I'm not saying that it was the best way to go about things right. I I under, you know what I get it I I understand why people are upset right yeah. I get it I just think that like especially like I, I don't know. That place, it's very hard to regulate such a DIY place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, um, the promoter even was just like, dude, like trying to like harp on that many people at a place that, you know, is very much like doesn't have a lot of rules. Yeah. And trying to make sure to enforce it. And like, and like, you know what? Good on them for. So the show. The other night, I remember what they had. They were asking for last, last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah last the night. Yeah. Show, yeah. It's so uh, it's so good on them for like being like, okay, we Learning. see, we yeah. see what you guys, we we see you. Let's let's. Better yeah. this the situation. Did you hear what happened last night? No. What happened? I, the way you the way you mentioned that doesn't sound good. Cops shut it down. Oh no. Yeah. So the, all all the bands didn't get to play. Oh, fu- okay. So, so what like, it, what does that hold for the future of? Uh, I, I got a I ticket. Was, 
They got it. Yeah, eight nine hundred dollar ticket. I was wondering about this after we left. Though, yeah, uh, yeah. me and Phil were both. This was there. also something that got discussed. People were like, "Well, let's see how long that." I'm like, "Yeah, that's valid." And yeah. so, like, I was wondering about that yesterday, or like once once we left. Now that it's got the one, is it just gonna become like part of the weekend? Like, oh yeah, expenses. Just, just draw. No, no. Like for for police. Oh like, yeah. Yep. No, we know this spots here. We know it's. You know, there's shows happening. We know there's large gatherings happening here. Like, let's just start putting it in the route to patrol. So I wonder, though, are they able to maybe negate that if they show that they're, like, um, applying, like, a rule set like other places, I wonder? I don't know. I have no idea. I, well, and then the, I, I mean, that's impossible, I guess, because technically all the other places are doing seating, right? Yeah, exactly. I think. And they're like, I'm pretty but then now there's news out that uh venues are back up to 100 percent exactly. or 100 cap now yeah. like 100 yeah. cap so interesting so that that again like this is a thing i i can understand why it's it's been so divisive because like a lot of people feel passionately about a lot of factors about it and like i get that right like it's a weird time it's a very nuanced conversation right because yeah. like they're they're like I'm definitely for vaccinations and masks mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, if we're talking about that first night, um, you know, we're all pals. Everyone kind of knew each other. We we all went in there of our own volition, knowing that there was a bit of a risk involved. Yep. I mean, myself yep. and my bandmates, we've all received the vaccination. I've already had COVID once. Um, not my favorite experience ever. <laughs> I can't imagine. Right? Um, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, we all kind of went there. And, like, you know, uh, for example, some people were wearing their masks that night. Mm -hmm. No one – it's not like anyone was harping on anyone for doing it. Nope. Right? No. Like, anyone who chose to, cool. That, yep. That's fine. That, you know, and then anyone who wasn't – it's like everyone just kind of, like, did their own thing and was, like, respectful of that. And um, I think, yeah, we all, we all went in kind of knowing what the situation was. So I, I don't think to anyone's argument who might have said that oh that's not fair because of whatever it's like well you know anyone who didn't feel comfortable would have probably just either left or like they would have worn their mask like yeah. you know no one really had any complaints who was at that gig yeah, yeah. exactly um it's like hindsight's 2020 and yeah. it's like you could say that afterwards but like that yeah. show needed to happen i, I oh, think i i think yeah. with with the amount of heat that it garnered like i understand again it, it is a bit more of a nuanced conversation as like to how we uh proceed forward um with with shows because it's like there's for example, the very first Powerbomb show we played, uh, what was it, like a week before I did the, the gavel gig, we played um, at uh, a tavern in Toronto, um, and it was seating, you know, seating arrangements, 50-person uh, cap. Um, but I don't think that's a very perfect system either. No. I get that they, they are trying to have rules in place, and like in, in one way it's like, oh, that's admirable, good for you for you know, trying to do your They're thing. They're trying but it's to like, do something. But the idea is like you're still at an indoor space with these tables not that far from it's like in the moment that you sit down you're allowed to take off your mask to have drinks and stuff it's like is it are you are it just kind of negates the entire idea yeah. really. at the end of the day that's not any different than what yeah. was happening at killer yeah mm -hmm. i mean yeah it's a bit more close proximity yeah, but the idea yeah. that you're in a small enough space and that once you're at your table you're allowed to remove your mask to enjoy your beverages and stuff it's like you're still all occupying that same space exactly. and like when i was saying this to someone else the idea of like you know six feet or whatever when you actually see that, when you actually see the distance between the tables and stuff and you see it in person, you're like, that's not really all that distance. No. Especially if everyone's just taking their masks off to have drinks and stuff. And it's just like, again, I understand that these places are doing it because they, they're obligated to and like good on them for, for trying to keep up with the rules and stuff um, to keep their business going. But like, I think 
in terms of if we're just looking at the the physical data, like looking mm -hmm. at it and just being like, is this really all that effective? It's kind, of, it's not that much different, really. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I'm not, but then again, I'm not an expert, and no one who had who weighed in on the topic is right. So I don't think anyone's completely right. I can definitely understand where some people's arguments were coming from. I can for or against. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I, you know, I I was a little bit salty about it the night after when everyone was hard, but like. You know, coming back to it a couple days after being like, okay, like, yeah, I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. But again, none of us are an expert on this. No. So, like, I I think to, to be this, um, I don't know, this heated about it, I think we just need to take, like, a second and be like, hey, we're all pals. We've all played shows together. We need to fucking <laughs> chill. Like, it's been, what, three weeks since then, and there's there's been, no one's gotten Nothing COVID dead. from the show. We're all good. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry to j jump about yeah, COVID into yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah you know, it's right off the bat. Dude. Yeah, I figured. But, uh, Every I, podcast ever. Guess yeah, what? Yeah. The past couple of years have sucked. Big fucking surprise. <laughs> but I figured, yeah, that was the last time we saw each other. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, look, you've mentioned already, uh, like, you play in so many bands. What are all the bands you play in? Um, okay, so there's Powerbomb, which I play guitar, mm -hmm. there's Hostage, which I play drums, there's Gavel, which I play guitar, and then there's, like, one other band that, like, we don't have a name, um, but it's all, so all those other bands I listed, they're all different flavors of hardcore, yep. we all know this, right? Like, um, this other band is very much, like, it's almost like Paramore meets Under Oath. Okay. Um, yeah, because, like, I like, uh, there's a lot of stuff that if people heard what I listened to, like the hard commu hardcore community as a whole, if they listened to what I listened to outside of, they'd be like, what, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> I was listening to Hello Goodbye on the way here. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, oh man. I listen to Hello Goodbye all the time. Yo, but that album, the album Would It Kill You, it's kind of croony. It's kind of got that kind of, I'm like, I could hear this in like a soda shop uh, jukebox <laughs> like kind of vibes to it. Like it's got like a doo-wop vibe? Not quite that, but it's like, I'll show you some afterwards. It's, yeah. a, it's a fun record. I love that kind yeah, of Speaking of, of doo-wop, have you ever heard of this band called Twin Temple? No. It's like satanic doo-wop. <laughs> what in the actual fuck? Yeah, yo, it's actually pretty sick. That's yeah. almost as weird as, like, do you guys remember Mare? No. Like, the band Mare? It no. was Tyler from The End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, um, it was put out on Hydrahead Records, which is owned by Aaron Turner from Isis Sumak and Old Man Gloom. Um, Toronto-based band. It's, like, doom, jazz, but then they have songs that are, like, Gregorian chant. It is a wild really? record. If you want to hear one of the most disturbing things ever, like, that band is crazy. Mare? Mayor, um, around are they around? Not anymore, but actually, their drummer used to work at Doors. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah uh, Caleb. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. He yeah, he played drums in that band, and he played in um, what was that band? Circle Takes Square. I remember. And he was also Takes... the drummer in Thick Piss. Oh wow! Yeah, pedigree, man. That. Like I love how it's, this is one thing I love about our scene in Ontario is like the interconnectedness of like every band. It's yeah. So, the 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 webs only get stronger and like and more the yeah that the trees has got so many roots it's what crazy. what are some of the like what are some ontario bands that have caught your attention within the last couple of years Ooh, or it was or the year the last year or so a, fuck man now you got me i mean okay so i'm i'm wearing their shirt right now but um i over the last little while i i, I fucking love reliever Relievers, I so fucking good. love reliever. I yeah. mean, let's let's all be real. We all know that Matt is a bit of a phenom on drums, and he kind of blows my <laughs> yeah. mind. But like them as a whole, their sound just so. I I love Nate's approach of uh, his setup is just like he's got that telly, and then he just plays with a fifty one fifty with the gain the the pre gain on ten, <laughs> and like <laughs> it's just like so like the most raw noisy 
And I was like, dude, you need a noise gate. He's like, I only just recently bought a tuner. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like he, he wouldn't even play a show with a tuner. It was bonkers. And they were always, but like, it always sounded so good. I remember playing Very a show tight. years ago with a band that none of them had tuners. And I thought it was the most badass thing. And it sounded terrible. It really depends set. on the band, man. Like, it really does. Because there's so many bands that they did, I'd be annoyed as a listener. <laughs> but Reliever is just so good at what they do. They're so just ugly and raw in like all the best ways they're a tight three-piece i love yeah, a three-piece that can be like that fills out that sound yeah they're and they're also just like wonderful people wonderful i love people. hanging out with those guys yeah. it's yeah. it's always like a treat when i get to see them because obviously being out in windsor i don't you know although um I, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it but i know that matt's gonna be in hamilton a lot more frequently Ooh. hush hush he's Ooh. been working on some things i'm very proud of that dude yeah um yeah fucking who else though let me think um there's uh oddly enough there's a, a younger like I'm from Brampton mm-hmm. right like I, I still live in Brampton now um our music scene essentially died in 2007 and guys like Kyle O'Meara from uh, Cohesion have been you know he was he's been promoting even during like like the kind of drought of like trying to build back up from what Brampton used to be so like good on him for doing so but there's like this whole generation of these younger kids that are kind of picking up the mantle of like the Brampton local scene so there's bands like um uh mile end um and what was the other one uh mile end and come on Jarrett. uh i i I feel like such a dick because i talk to them all regularly i'm just trying to remember what the names of them are but i just haven't seen them in a while but it's just like there's there's this whole younger generation and when i listen to what they're playing i'm like oh you guys like really like a lot of stuff that i was listening to in high school huh like i hear like alexis and monine and I hear all these things. They're like, yeah, my parents love those bands. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all really just good kids. And like, I remember seeing them at like, I they invited me to a fucking house show in like one of their basements or something like that. And I just showed up and like did my usual of like helping fix gear <laughs> and stuff. Right. And just, I told a bunch of, I was like, listen, please make sure that you understand that like partying is always secondary I'm like, what you guys are doing is trying to rebuild what I had when I was, like, your age. Like, please, 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 like, just the music always comes first, and then the party comes second, or else this is bound to fail. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the problem, right? Is Because the reason why the Branton music scene essentially died, it's like, everyone my age and maybe, like, either a little older or a little younger had, like, either a sibling or a friend sibling who, like, kind of got you into the fact that, oh, there's, there's local music in our town. And, like, during those mid-2000 years, Brampton was, like thriving Mm -hmm. we had like a really dude between monine the junction bands like starring janet lee um who else uh, wheels on the bus who was like one of my favorites um there's uh, a rockwell resolution um and my band amrith were like super pals and like kind of when when the other bigger bands went on to do bigger things we kind of like picked up after that and we had a little bit of a heyday for a while but eventually what ended up happening was um there was this shift where like Younger kids started coming out to the shows, right? Like, kids just entering high school then got word of it and like, oh, this is cool. And when we were going to shows, um, when we were in our younger years, it was like you would always have that friend or someone being like, yo, dude, if you were too fucked up to be like, they keep you in check? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, listen, man, like, the show is more important. We got to make sure that we keep this going. We want to have this for, like, years to come. So, like, your friends would give you shit if you were too partied out at the gig. Absolutely. Right? 
And at some point, there was like this shift where kids would start showing up. They stopped even paying to go in indoors. They would like hang out outside, loiter, get fucked up, and yeah. like eventually, every venue was just like couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, there was always that rule where like when I first started going to shows that you were totally allowed to leave the venue and come back. Yeah. And then eventually, it became so like you can't leave because you are just gonna go drink in an alleyway. Yeah, like we did that, but like. Respectfully. Yeah, you had to do it so that like it's we had to foster another generation of of the music scene, right? You had yeah. to you had to keep that going. So unfortunately, eventually around 2007 is when like our scene died. But uh, there's a bit of a revival. Also, ooh, um, fun thing um, because I didn't mention them prior, but um, the next gavel show I'm aware of, we're playing in Branton at Spot One on November 12th, ooh. and we're playing um, with. NJ from Hammerhand's uh, new band, I think it's called Spook the Beast, I think is what they're called. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I just want to say that like some of my first shows I ever played back in like, the Brampton days was with his old band Strawman Fallacy, which was really, it was like super, like very early days, like Screamo. Yeah. It was uh, NJ and um, his partner in crime for how many years, uh, Theo. Um, he was in bands like I Spoke. Um, uh, they had another weird project called DIY Murder Kit, if I remember correctly. They were both in Dance Electric. Okay. Um, you know, they, they man, they've got quite a body of, of work that they've been responsible for. So I'm very excited to be playing with them as well. But, like, yeah, that's some of the first shows I ever played were with those guys as well. Oh, I love Brampton it. was a fun time in the mid-2000s, <laughs> man. I played in a, probably 2009, 2008, 2009. Sure. Started a band uh, with a dude from Brampton. Okay. Um, Do I know them? I wonder. Probably, it's small. Dan, Dan Peachy. He played in Azrael's Curse. Oh before. man, uh, I know that band. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I know him personally, but like I know that band. But so yeah, a lot of the things like he would say the same thing, like just the kind of like the fall of Brampton's music scene and the, the yo. It, there. I always have a bit of an issue with the fact that like, um, yo, can I ask you a quick question? Is that is that my drum throne? <laughs> it very well could be. I think that might be my drum throne. It very I've been staring well at it. Be. Shit, it's dude. probably been here since that hostage. We'll record. discuss this later. Yeah, anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I have an abundance of drums. Yeah, I'm just looking so at my. Like, I'm probably. I've been wondering where mine is. Like, I know where mine is. I don't know where these other like. Do you nine know where your drum from. throne is? Yeah. It's PSAs. Yeah, I said no. Quit asking me. <laughs> Son of milk carton. Yeah. Do you know where your drum throne is? There's a photo um, of it. Yeah, but there was a Brampton gets kind of like talked about like Toronto's armpit as if Scarborough doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. I don't get it. and like the funny thing is, is a lot of the people who talk shit about Brampton are kids who used to live there, okay. who did the most atypical pop punk thing of like gotta get out of this town, man. Yeah, and then you move to Toronto. Toronto. How's your rent, bud? Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, I have no shame. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but like I have no shame from the I have a B town tattoo. No, I have no fucks. Sick. Uh, cause I actually, I, I like being there. It's really not that, it's like, I have a lot of fondness growing up there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, especially because we were very privileged that like, it, it seems weird, but it's like, if you talk to anyone who lived in Brampton in the mid two thousands, we had a fucking booming music scene. There were shows every single weekend, sometimes two in one night. Either way, it was, you'd go to one on Friday, one on Saturday. Like they, it was constant. What were the main venues? Um, so you had uh, one popular one was right downtown by the Four Corners, like across the street from City Hall. There was uh, First Baptist. Okay. Uh, John West, his dad was the uh, was the minister there, and so we held shows there like every single weekend. That was like a very popular spot. Cool. Um, before that, Adam Nimmo, who was in the Most Serene Republic, um, 
which they were on uh, Arts and Crafts for for a while there. They were kind of a larger band. He used to book shows at North Bramley United, and he was kind of part of the like older generation who was like b- before I started going to shows. Like he was booking Monine and Alexis at that. Oh, cool! At that venue, right? And like bands like Choke and stuff like that. Like, um, so it was really cool that he kind of helped our generation yeah. also like kind of like he helped us out a bunch and like booked us a bit. Um, and then there was for a while there was um club hype on queen street i remember yeah. seeing like cancer bats the end and like the esoteric there nice. and like that was really and there we we used to have a thing called the hype force five that we joked about which is like a, a couple squad cars would always just show up to see what's going on because it seemed like <laughs> something would always happen at that specific venue but luckily they weren't too diggish they'd just be like hey we're just here to check on things and they would just, just leave us alone which nice. is nice and then there was a couple other places like friends and like ellen's and like for for a hot minute there was a place called the warehouse and it was at 101 west drive which was like down the street from my first job at drummer's choice and it was literally just a giant warehouse space where they built a stage um i remember seeing means there i remember playing with means oh, cool. there yeah they're so sick we we made friends with them a long time ago and then they would whenever they came back like we would make sure to play with them they were rad dudes um but uh, that was a really cool venue. That one got shut down. I think that one was because, oh, kids would go across the street to the Tim Hortons and fuck that up. Oh, no. And then prior to that, the guy who ran that venue, the very first show I ever went to in Brampton was a place called Midnight Train. Okay. Above, it was at, I forget the address. It was on Railroad Street in Brampton. Mm-hmm. It was right near the GO station. And above it, there used to be two different things. There was a little train shop. Yeah, of and, course. Right? And then there was also a really, really old skate shop called Dominion Skate Co. That was like when I was first getting into skateboarding as a kid, I remember that that was like, you it know. It was in the same place? It was like in, in the same kind of. Really? Uh, that was upstairs. It's like a then place went, that my dad and I would get along yeah. with. <laughs> then you would go downstairs into yeah. the basement. And there was like really kind of poorly built like, jam rooms. Yeah. And then there was like the main stage there. Uh I remember I went to go see this band Repercussion, which had who would eventually become my vocalist in my first band ever, Chris Johnson. Their their band played a Kill Switch Engage cover of My Last Serenade, and I was yeah. like, "This is sick." <laughs> that was like my first local show I ever went to. Cool. And it was like that place got shut down due to fire codes, and it actually got shut down. My band got offered our first show. We did not have a singer at the time. When we were headlining Stoner Fest. <laughs> I'm the only one in the band who even smokes weed. We're a, we're a three piece, and we're literally about to go on, and the fucking yeah they, they got shut down because of like fire codes and stuff like that. And we never got to play, and then eventually that venue got shut down, and then that's when that owner years later would start the warehouse. And there there's a long history uh, in in Brampton that that sprawls on for like ever. But it's it was so cool to be part of. Like we definitely had. Had, I think we had it almost a little bit better than some other towns. Like often, once we got old enough, my friends and I would start venturing out to like the Masonic Lodge in Streetsville, and there was like a really big crossover between the Mississauga and Brampton scene, which was really cool. Once once we all got old enough to like drive and stuff, yeah. we all mm-hmm. would kind of like go to each other's shows and stuff. So I remember seeing like you know like the Vulcan Dub Squad and like Smear Campaign and like Sleeper Set Sail. Smear and... Campaign, man, I've been looking for music by them and can't find it anywhere. Ah, oh, man, I, that that'll be a tough find. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. Or like uh, yeah, like uh, sleeper set sale or um, yeah. who was another one that I saw there a lot. Oh, do, do you guys remember a band called Pro Elise Fair? No, they're like an instrumental band. Wrote really beautiful, beautiful kind of. I don't know how to explain it. Like progressive emo ish. Cool. It's weird, yeah. But yeah, that, there we definitely had such cool things because I feel like Mississauga was a bit more on the artsy side, right? Um, which is both a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because it's like 
at some point you would you would have those bands that really did something creative and awesome out there but there's a lot of bands that like it kind of got to a point where it's like trying to so hard to be performance art for the sake of being performance mm-hmm. art that it's just like did you even bother to think of whether this was good or not <laughs> it was like it was very up its own ass and then brampton the i remember there's a bit of a contention because like mississauga would look at brampton and, like our shows seemed kind of like tacky and like weird but it's like what I loved about our scene is like none of our bills made any sense. You would have a ska band, a metal band, a hardcore band, an indie band. Like it, it was just a mashup of whatever the fuck was available. But at the same time, everyone who went to those shows was just so stoked on music that like our our scene got along really well. You would have like metal kids skanking with ska kids. That's so cool. And like emo kids throwing down with hardcore. Like everyone was just really excited to be there. Yeah. That like there was no time for bullshit. Everyone got along really well, and so it's like as much as our scene may have seemed a little lame to other places, is the fact the fact is it it really uh, um, fostered like a sense of real community. Mm-hmm. So like we all liked that because everyone kind of liked everything, right? It really made sure that it, it, there was a lot of like there's a lack of clickiness yeah. to to our scene because of that. There was so much camaraderie. It was really cool. And so you grew up in Brampton. Oh yeah, but like but you're from Manitoba. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I was born in Brandon, Manitoba, yeah. which is a hole. Um, <laughs> but, like, my parents uh, took me out to Brampton when I was, like, nine months old. Oh, okay. So, like, I was literally only born there. Uh, most of my family is still, like, on my mom's side is still out west and stuff. But, right. like, I've been living in Brampton for 33 years. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, no shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the, 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 uh, the, it sounds very similar to, like, the St. Catherine scene when I was yeah? growing up. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There, it wasn't so clicky. You were just going out to shows just because shows were happening, whether yeah. it was a ska show or, like, a punk yeah. or metal. Uh, and then, like, there was that part where it just kind of died off. Like, it was, yeah. there's this not so much... It, it, there's a scene in St. Catherine's, but uh, it's not as strong as it used to be. I think it's just like part of it's for for you guys it's a bit of like location. For some reason for us Brampton just doesn't get in, included all the time in like the main GTA in the circuit. Yeah. It's just not cool enough. And so therefore we were slightly detached from it whereas like you whereas where St. Catharines is located it's kind of like you're, out there. You're still again you're still part of the region but you're not the focus isn't there. Yeah. yeah. So I think it kind of fosters in that thing where it's just like oh if there's just bands and music available you're just going to soak all that shit up. Yeah. And I think you kind of benefit from that to be honest. Yeah. I think that those kind of scenes always make for more rounded um, music fans and just people because you're not sitting there being like you know I don't know Vegas Funeral presents My Son the Hurricane live at Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto on December 16th with special guest Revive the Rose My Son the Hurricane is a multi-horn multi-drummer multi-singer brass funk beast and they're beginning another world tour with a kickoff show in Toronto tickets at phoenixconcerttheater.com December 16th My Son the Hurricane Revive the Rose don't miss it. So you're a pretty big gear nerd, right? I am. Yeah, I I am. I don't really know much about gear, so I'm hoping my co-host here will be able to, to <laughs> like rally gear. back and forth. What is one of your favorite pieces of gear that you own? That's an. It's, you know what? I'll tell you right now. Um, I think it's. I don't think I've even brought it over to your studio. I don't think I've ever used it, but uh, I have a 1981 Les Paul Custom. You've told me about it. I haven't seen it. But yeah, I've heard of this. Um, there's there's actually a considering the nature of this podcast there's a funny story about that i was doing co-op at lam quaid mm-hmm. um one morning i came in to do like my morning routine filling up the humidifiers doing all that shit i walked past like the the fancy guitar room 
and I see this guitar on the wall. I'm like, ooh, like that's a beautiful fucking Les Paul. And like you know, with like some of like the reissues or the ones that they try and make look relic, the the, the binding around it tends to look more orangey yep. when they intentionally age it. This one, you could tell this thing had just seen some some years, and I was just like, that thing's gorgeous. So then the rest of the staff come in, we're all talking about it, and I'm just like fawning over this guitar. And everyone else is like, oh, that's sick. We bring it to the fucking back rental counter, run the serial number on it. We find out that, yeah, I, th- I think it was like made in Nashville. It's legit, like an 81. I think it had one owner, um, and it was sitting up there for sale. Uh, $1,600, which is a frighteningly <laughs> cheap price for that piece of gear. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And then Dave Carter, uh, my coworker at that time, he was in this band called Low Level Flight for a while with one of the guys that won, was it? What was that singing competition? Fuck. What was that show called? Oh, the... Pop star? I don't know. I, I, um... was Ryan Malcolm was the vocalist of that band. Right? I can't, I don't know. What was that? Was it, It's not The Voice or... There's, was it like the Canadian one? Yeah. yeah. yeah was it a pop star? Um, Th- there was one called Pop Star for sure. Either way. The point is, the, the, <laughs> this is so like yeah. tertiary like knowledge. Um, but yeah, essentially, like I was like, man, that thing's wicked. And he just looked at me. He's like, you fucking love that thing, huh? I was like, yeah. Like It's like a dream level guitar, right? Like this thing weighs a metric ton. It's, it's aged beautifully. The condition of it is amazing. The frets are like getting quite flat but it still plays like a dream like this thing is like worn in in all the right ways and um he's like i'm gonna put it on layaway in your name i was like why would you fucking do that dude <laughs> and he's like you know your dad if you fucking talk to him and i was like he'll probably help you out and i was like maybe <laughs> so uh i call up my dad uh on my lunch break and i'm like listen dad and like he doesn't know gear but he, I'm his son, and he hears me go on about stuff. Like, you know, you say words like Gibson, 1981. He's like, okay, I understand that that's a big guitar brand name. I understand that they're, like, pretty prestigious. I understand that, like, that guitar is very, you know, prestigious, prestigious as well. Like, he, he knows enough to know that that means something. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I'm like, it's $1,600. And he's like, okay. I'm like, listen, I will literally sell every piece of gear I currently own right now <laughs> that – admittedly you bought but like i will get rid of all of that shit in order to gain this guitar he's like okay whoa, whoa. he's like just hold on for a second he's like I, I get it he's like let me ask you this question and he gave me the ultimatum uh that i remember to this day which was he's like would you rather take that sixteen hundred dollars and put it towards a car or would you rather have that guitar and i was like i can't write songs with a car <laughs> and he was like Okay, well let's let's do it then. And cool. so we got rid of a couple of pieces of gear I didn't need. We kept my amp though, and we eventually picked that up. And like, um, I remember the manager at La McQuaid at the time. I I won't mention his name, but I never fucking liked him. And I remember he comes in. He's like, he comes right up to me like very shortly after that phone call. He's like, uh, hey man, do you uh put a guitar on the in your name? I was like, I didn't. Dave did, but like, yeah. He's like, do you uh plan on actually buying that guitar? I was like, yeah. Why? <laughs> He's like, well, uh, I had you know a client coming in to check out that guitar on lunch break. I was like, okay, like, what do you want? Like, you know. And when the guy came in, he's what we love to refer to as boardroom guitar players. You know, guy shows up in his fucking Beamer. He's got like his briefcase, his suit and tie. I'm just like, Man, fuck this dude, <laughs> right? And like, clearly, like he's got more than enough money. Go get some other fucking guitar. Just buy another one. And I'm like, also, it's not my fucking problem. You put it on the sales floor, dummy. That's yeah. that's your bad. Sorry. And he was just like, well, yeah, I had someone come. I'm like, okay. And he's like, you know, Jared, here at uh, Law McQuaid, the uh, customer comes first. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, like, I just got, like, I, in retrospect, I was like, am I going to lose my position here? But, like, I just remember being like, listen, dude, I'm getting paid in credits. I don't make money here. 
I'm like, I've bought every single instrument I've ever owned at this exact location since I started playing guitar. I'm a customer. I'm buying that guitar. There's nothing you can do about it. And he just like walked away. <laughs> and I was like, and I've had it since. There you I, go. I do a lot of writing on it. It's still just, I, I don't bring it up to shows. I only ever really use it in studio contexts and stuff Didn't like that. Didn't you bring it when we did that playthrough, the video playthrough? Did I? I don't know if I did or not. I don't know. I seem to remember there you and my buddy Jamie talking about Les Pauls. Maybe he's a big Les Paul. Maybe fan, I. But maybe it was his that was here that started the. I think it might have been because like yeah that one I have it. Um, we would have been. I think I was doing more like power bomb riffs. Yeah, when yeah. When we were so doing that, um, which shout out to uh, Satino Amps and our buddy Jeno. Yeah. Um, when we yeah we filmed that uh, kind of like a, a playthrough that also was promoting the power bomb and Satino Amps that we used on that record. But uh, yeah, that, I wouldn't have brought that because that thing was tuned to C standard. Yeah, I think. true, true. Yeah. But like, true. yeah, I don't think you've ever gotten to see it. Stuff, but like, yeah. that thing is that's probably one of my most prized possessions. That's top pick. I could get rid of every piece of gear I have, but that guitar stays with me. Yeah. Second to that would be my um, my drum kit that I use mm-hmm. back at my very first job. The snare drum. I made a sample of that snare drum. Okay, so that that's a bit different. That was my Nick's talking about my. Uh, he, you've made a sample of it, Jesse Barkowitz, my old bandmate, and I've used so, it on like every mix I've done. So since. has he. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have this. Okay, to everyone, I've talked about this on my friend's drum podcast, but I have this Pearl Mirror Chrome snare drum that I bought for like a hundred dollars. It was my first quote unquote good snare drum. It's not a great snare drum. <laughs> it's like a fairly budget snare. Although it goes now, if you try and look for one, because it's pre. For anyone who knows gear, it was pre Sensitone, like which is a very standard Pearl snare, the, yeah. the Pearl Sensitone snare. This is a mirror chrome. It came before that. It's got even like less fancier hardware. It's like just a steel shell snare drum. It's a fourteen by five, five, five and a half, yeah, maybe. It's, it's not. It's it's not very deep. No, yeah. it's definitely not a piccolo, but it's not a very deep snare. That's it's it, like yeah. kind of like your standard stock snare that comes with like a kit that you buy, yeah. right? You get it in a. It's yeah, like that like style five, snare. Five and a half. Right, but it was, so it's like slightly above one of those like snares you get with a pearl ice board. Yeah. Um, but for some reason. I mean, I don't really know how to tune drums, so I just ta- I love snares that are like a tabletop. Yeah. And with the amount of like rust it's accumulated, I tighten it till it can't go any tighter, and that's the sweet spot. And I also have a habit of every hit that I do, I I became very fond of like when I was younger, I loved the sound of what a rim shot sounds like. Mm-hmm. So every time I hit my snare, every hit is a rim shot. Nice. Um. Yep. <laughs> so it, yeah, it, o- it always sounds like really powerful. So like, yeah, I know you've Nick, you've made a sample of it. My buddy Jesse made a sample of it and it gets used on a lot of records because it's just like <laughs> it just sound. It, and all it is is that snare with um to any drummers out there trying to figure out how to make your snare sound awesome without doing too much to it. Evans uh, HD or SD dry drum heads. They're the ones with the perforated little holes yeah. on the outside. Yeah. That tames, like, especially for a steel snare, you don't need to use moon gels. You don't really need much other dampening because it's just the right amount to tame that, like, harsh, uh, ringy overtone. Well, the ping, the ping's in now. Everyone wants the yeah. ping again. But it's the right amount. Yeah. You yeah. need a bit of that. That's part. Okay. Yeah. So I, I just, I've dabbled in drums and okay. I totally got a kit like last year. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, like, it was an old snare uh, skin and I def- I broke right through it. Oh, absolutely. So I, like, I, again, don't know what I'm doing when I come to drums. I just kind of just play with them. Like, I, I go to the uh, Long McQuaid. He's like, yeah. HD dry grabs me yeah. that skin and then like yeah it sounds great it's so funny that yeah. you offered it as like as someone who doesn't necessarily know how to tune that's drums. probably why right because yeah. when you don't know how to tune like I mean I love to just tighten the fuck out of them yeah. and it's like you start to get a lot of like, like those yeah. those harsh things that you have to like dial out in in a recording scenario 
Um, but like it tames it just the right amount because you need a little bit of it, and that shit is awesome. It's the mm-hmm. best drumhead. I'll use it for till the day I die. It's super sick. But not that snare. My other prize. I when I did my first job at Drummer's Choice, uh, they were the only dealer in Canada to deal with CNC drums. You've seen yeah, that. Yeah. I have this. Uh, f- it fades from purple to black down I the shelf. The first time uh, Hostage and Hellvent played at Bovine, and I got to play it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Kit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. That Nick's approval. The funny thing is, is, is uh, Nick, I know that you're normally very much a stickler about, like, you know, you like to put on fresh heads for recording yeah. and stuff like that. And, like, I don't know if I told him before we tracked it, but it's, like, Nick, like, my kick drum, um, which, by the way, is a result of Peter from Monin. He's He was, I think he still is, like, a CNC drum artist. And so when I decided I was going to order a kit, you know, this was, like, my first like I'm ordering it to my specs. It was my first real drums where I'm like, I'm ordering it from like a custom style company like CNC. I get to pick the finish, the hardware, the sizes. Like it was exciting. Mm -hmm. I got rid of so many old drums to like get this, get this kit. And um, I was asking him cause like he does a bit of like quick kind of single foot stuff like, and playing on double bass. I don't like to use too much muffling. I don't want to use triggers. Like I always liked using like an actual kick. And I always found that he had like this kick that just sounded nice and tight and punchy but still had some oomph to it 20 by 18 so it's a bit it's a it's got some depth to it but around it's only 20 around Mm -hmm. so that makes it nice and short attacky punchy but then the depth gives you that kind of sub frequency Mm -hmm. i've been i want another i used to have a 20 by 20 yeah and i've been really wanting a 20 by 18 it's just the right amount of depth it's It's tameable we've got a bunch of 22s here we've got some 24s i I don't have a 20 though and i miss having a 20 there's six and and nick tracked with that drum he's like oh i love the way that sounds i'm like that drum head's eight years old (laughs) because it's but no like i don't tell anybody but yeah it's because it just slams it's just a remo power stroke three that's been through the ringer but again i kind of leave it more on the dead side i let the resonance happen on the front head yes you know what I mean? The, uh, I find kick drums, you can kind of, like, they have that pocket where it's, like, they get old, but they still sound sick. Yeah, yeah. And I, I with a the Evans patch that I, I doubled up, <laughs> yeah. and I use the plastic beater, and I bury the beater with every hit. So, like, it's very, yeah, you can get away with it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, lastly, before we get into some anecdotes with each other, you briefly mentioned that you play D and D, and I see <laughs> I, I, yep. and, and I and and now when I figure out someone plays D and D, it brings uh, gets brought up on the podcast. Oh, this is great! So this you, is the first time I've gotten to talk about this. Oh yeah, I know. No, no, I get excited. So to tell, so actually, tell the group that you play with. Okay, so um, I play um, it's with a couple pals of mine from from Branton, my friend Chris Hill and my friend Mark Saldana. But originally, the two people that I started the group with is uh, Chris and Justin from the. Uh, I guess what would we consider? The, I think they're like kind of like power violence. Yeah, I think would be a good way to to describe them. Paul um, McCartney, a bit of gra- Paul, yeah, Paul yeah. McCartney. Yeah, um, we start over the pandemic. We played a lot of Call of Duty together. I still play. They refuse to join me on that game anymore. <laughs> but um, I knew that they're you know they're a bit nerdier dudes, and and I, I love that about them. And they're into gaming more than I am. And like I had been kind of itching to like I I had played maybe once or twice prior like years ago, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Like yeah. I actually genuinely really loved it. And um. So I asked them because I, I, I kind of found out that they, they've played previously and stuff. I was like, do you guys want to start like a D&D party? And they're like, yeah, okay. And then I got a couple other pals in. And then we also had uh, our buddy um, Jim Og from Lapsaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was briefly in it uh, for a while uh, as an anthropomorphic squirrel. Nice. Woody Squirrelson. <laughs> Eventually, uh, now that music's picking back up, he kind of went and, uh, and, and left the group. And 
in the process killed off my character and Mark's character <laughs> in a giant like he went out with a bang and like killed this character that I've been working on since we started the party. That's funny. Yeah, he joined actually I think it was like a year ago about around this time. I was I had just driven from Hamilton to my mom's house in Oakville after a night of doing mushrooms <laughs> and then well, stayed up for like way too many hours and then had to do a D&D session and he just popped into the the Discord chat. Yeah. And then we just wrote him into the story as a there's a whole story but and so he played as a squirrel for like a decent amount of time and then like eventually was like all right guys like kind of music's come back he's like i've got to kind of take pre like that's got to take precedence and we're like okay man so we had our one last night with him it was the first time during the pandemic where we all she got to play together around a table yeah. and like i remember yeah he fucking that fucking guy jim if you ever hear this you fucking dick just like murdered my character in like a giant explosive kind of like oh, was, the squirrel eh? yeah so, so what uh, are you playing a, i uh, killed him too it oh. was like this big like it was fun are you doing a like an actual campaign or is that homebrew um it start i think it started with a uh a camp so justin is our dm mm -hmm. um i just i like we tell him this all the time i'm gonna say it on the podcast so that he can listen to it and hear it forever immortalized he's a great dm yeah justin you're a great dm he's he like every npc gets like a character voice and he really likes to flesh out the world that we play in mm -hmm. and on top of that i just think he's just he's the right guy for the job man yeah. like he's he's really um gets really into it and um i feel like he's also been fairly lenient with us which is nice too <laughs> because we're all we're still learning you know we've only been mm -hmm. playing for like a year now or so um but um fuck what was the original question <laughs> I went on too many tangents. Oh, uh, what, what's the? Oh, so, right. So, so the, uh, the I think he started us off with a campaign that was in like one of the books or something like yep. that. But then everything, like I think, once we got through like the first part of that campaign, like most of what he's been doing has been like homebrew. Oh, and, cool. and, he, and he's really good with just like rolling with it and kind of like making up narratives when he needs to. Because like, fuck, we go off on random shit all <laughs> yeah, the time. One of our guys got addicted to wizard meth, and we had to fucking kick That'll that happen. habit. You know, like, my dude got possessed by this fucking ring that had a vampire in it. And, like, it just, like, he's really good at being able to take the unexpected kind of twists and turns that we've been going on and run with it in a way that, like, is still, like, super cohesive. And, like, mm -hmm. he's doing a great fucking job. That's awesome. Yeah, Shout out to Justin. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. What's your character? Right now, um, I am a half orc nice. named Rothnar Stonehand. <laughs> What's yeah. your class? Um, I am a barbarian. Oh, cool! I'm I'm dual wielding hand axes yeah. right now. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, wicked. In, in my in my campaign, I'm a robot. I'm like a robot. Oh shit! Getting a little futuristic. Yeah, eh? no, I'm a warforged. So okay, like, so it's like it's more like almost like ma magic. It's infused. like yeah, it's like it's the robots of the uh, D and D world. Okay, that's and then I'm an artificer, so I just like I build things and like that's how I. That's a pretty fucking cool it's character a cool, class. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, we'll move on from the D and D because Nick can't add, add anything. You to know it. what's funny? I would have I would expect it out of any of us. Like Nick, like I, I would have expected him to be having this conversation right? with me, not you. Yeah, no. I, I, he, he, Nick, I, get into it. What are you What are you doing? He's, he's too busy. He's fucking... he's too busy making good records. Yeah, that's true. What, who are we kidding? Oh, speaking of making good records, yo, I don't know if he's still there. Shout out to Davis next door. Can you hear us right now? 
don't think I don't know. He might not be able to. But Davis is in the other room. He, he, we almost got him to come on this episode, but he had some work to do. But uh, shout yeah, out you to realize Davis. that if he came, like we, the conversation that we were having earlier, you had to wrangle us because both of our ADHD went so <laughs> off the rails that like we neither of us could remember why we were even talking about what we were talking yeah, about. It's right. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, it probably it might have been a nightmare if he was here. <laughs> that's great. We would have started talking about Metallica again. Oh, Metallica! You wanted to start a a, a Metallica based podcast, right? Yeah, it Just seems. You know what? Yeah, let's talk about it. I'm, I've been toying around with this idea, and it was because of the conversation at Kill Room I had with Davis. Metallica is a very, especially in hardcore and metal. I find that like I, it's a topic that comes up a lot. Like I'm a huge like I've got a Metallica tattoo on my leg that like mm-hmm. I I love that band. James Hetfield's a hero of mine. Like I like I adore that band. Second band I ever saw alive. Oh, cool! In fifth grade, I oh, saw them. Nice. Yeah, I was in grade five at the, the well, what is Saint now? Anger? What's that? What were they touring? How old do you think I am, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> they were touring like Load. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Dude, I'm born in '87, man. I'm, oh, you know, I'm, like I saw that. Yeah, I saw them during. Uh, it was 1998. <laughs> okay. At okay. Uh, what is now the <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it was, which is now the Budweiser stage. Yeah, yeah. and it was uh, them with uh, Jerry Cantrell of really? Alice in Chains. And uh, do you remember that all acoustic uh, rock band called Days of the New? No, they were like kind of they were on the radio back in the day, like during the nineties. But they were kind of cool, very um, very Scott Stapp, Eddie Vedder ish kind of vocals, yeah. but like really good guitar. And it was all acoustic. It was interesting. That's cool. But yeah, I saw that that band is huge for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find that like. I've got some hot takes about that band, but it's like so many, it's of such a divisive topic. Like so many people have such wildly different opinions oh, yeah. about that band, yeah. despite how, how much they've influenced everything we in the hardcore scene listen to. Yeah. Um, and so I think that would make for really interesting, like they're such a prolific band. And it's crazy to see how wildly different everyone's opinion of that band can be. Mm-hmm. Right. Like some people are super about it. Some people are super not. And, yeah. and I find that when you find out who isn't into it, it's almost even more interesting to be like, why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why I not? Agree. Yeah. Or like even when someone's into it sometimes because because everyone, the people who really love it fan pretty hard about it. So then like you'll hear like some really wild kind of opinion, like, you know, like I've got well, some pretty. Give me, give me a, a hot Metallica take. What do you got? <clears throat> Okay, so this is what I mentioned earlier. To everyone who listens to hardcore now, I want you to go and listen to the Black Album, pretend you're not listening to Metallica, and then listen to that album and tell me it's not one of the best hardcore albums ever written. The Black Album, when you listen to it in the context of if it was like a tough guy New York hardcore band, that album is fucking hard as shit. Especially if you listen to uh, Wherever I Am I Roam, like all those it's like it's basically like a mosh call riff yeah then they pick it up to the fucking two-step and then it's like all i imagine is just a bunch of dudes like chucking fists in a pit and it's like yeah i get that once hetfield comes in it it you know like not a lot of people are down for what he did but at the time his like snarly vocal like it, it really suited the music and it's like if you put like justice from you know angel dust trapped under ice like if you put him on vocals doing like tui style vocals to the music you wouldn't know it's fucking metallica yeah no you'd be like this is the toughest hardcore album ever written Mm -hmm. and i stand behind that statement a lot of guys are like you know if you're a purist it's like that's the album where they like sold out right i'm like whatever that album's tough as shit and it's awesome i find a lot of people don't like uh oh man death magnetic i'm not a big fan really see that's one record that i was like 
I love this record. Interesting. And and and, and like I, not enough people are talking about like I, I people I, I a lot of people have a problem with the mixing of that record. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, oh, they have a problem with the mixing of that I, record. Every record, <laughs> isn't it? Like, uh, Saint the fucking Saint Anger's okay, winner there. But like. If you tell me if you tell me the snare sounds good, we're no longer friends. Yo, that snare when it first comes in sounds sick. Oh Jesus, Nick! (laughs) No, (laughs) our whole French is built on a lie. (laughs) Yeah, and that's funny. Like he's saying, "Anger is such a like." You bring it up, and one's got one opinion about it, and one's got another. Oh, that that one's a huge contender for just like heated debate. Yeah, yeah, but not the whole not through the whole record. The first song. It's sick. Next yeah. song, it doesn't fit it and sounds terrible. There's certain songs, certain riffs where that snare sounds sick. I guess. Uh, overall, though, it's like I love the fact that when you watch some kind of monster, that whole <laughs> scenario where Kirk's just like, can I say something that I think is complete bullshit? And then he goes on about how like they're not putting solos on the record, and he made the most valid point because without any solos, there's so many choruses and verses. It's just like, guys, end the fucking song right now. Yeah. Like... What are you, a fucking power metal band? Yeah. Like, there's way too many verses and choruses. Stop this. And it's like he made the most valid point, but no one listened to him. No. no. And it, yeah, so like I, yeah, I, I adore that band. I, I, I think that they're incredibly important, especially like even in, in hardcore. Like mm-hmm. they're a huge one. It's like, where do you think Trapped Under Ice got their fucking name? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Metallica rules. And I, I, because of how much like people feel so wildly different about that band, I think it would be an interesting because like that topic comes up. Nine times out of ten, when I'm talking to my my yeah. every, buddies, every band I record, it comes up at least once throughout a recording session. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a fun conversation to be had. Like you know what I mean? Like, and to hear everyone's wildly different opinions on on that band is is crazy. Mm-hmm. The reality is, it's like no matter what you think, look at their fucking career and look where we're at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
awesome. Let's get into some anecdotes. So tell, okay. Tell me some wild stories you have from being on the road and playing in bands. Okay, I've I've got a I've got a few. So I also I'll mention this to the audience right now. We we may, we may have to cut some of these for time, but I'm gonna say some of them and maybe we can use them later. Yeah, perfect. Um, um let's see. Uh, I'll do because you know we we're originally talking about uh, Gavel. I'll tell you about a story from like so Greg Mortley, my guitar player, and I. Um, so when we were in our first band ever, um there wasn't always a lot of opportunity I found like when we were in high school to like play out of town mm-hmm. we didn't really have a lot of connections it's not like now where I've got like a vast like I can go play anywhere in, in like you know Southern Ontario really because there's just enough connections either through other bands or whatever but you know you're in high school at the time you know you're relying on mostly like promoters that you know and like our scene wasn't as connected so it was like I remember we got offered to play a show in Brantford Okay. Red flag number one. <laughs> so <laughs> I always got Brantford and Brampton mixed up. It happens like, a lot. Yeah. I still do. I <laughs> or uh, what's the other one? Um, there's Brampton, Brantford, and there's there's one other one that's also got a similar name that gets mixed up in in there as well. I can't remember which one I'm thinking of right now. Of it. Um, but Bradford. Bradford. Yeah. 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 Um, so we go to play the show, and it's at this place called. Have you ever heard of the Ford Plant? Oh yeah, yep. I remember the Ford Plant. Okay. Did you ever play there? Uh, no, I never played there. Went to a bunch of shows there. Never played went to a, there. What time of year did you go to a show there, Nick? <laughs> you ever winter? been to a show there in winter? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, totally. That was the first time I ever played in a parka on drums. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, we showed up, and like this place, like I just we had no idea what we were in for. It was crazy because you're also like that area is like when you've never been to Brantford, you don't realize like how run down it is. Oh, yeah, hmm. like hmm. Brantford, it's getting better now. But like especially like mid two thousands, like it's like a town that time forgot. Mm-hmm. Like it literally looks like it just got over. Like you know, sometimes when you go to a town, you can tell it just got overlooked. Yeah, that's the feel that you get when you go <laughs> into Brantford, right? And we pull up to this old fucking dingy building, which like again, we're all in the punk hardcore scene. You kind of like love those kind of moments, but mm-hmm. you also sometimes have like a threshold with like how much you're just like, okay, this is punk, but this is getting fucking dodgy. <laughs> yep. So um. I just remember pulling up and we go there and it's like even the, the front door of the, the venue we go in and the person who's at, at the front like taking it's like there's no heat in the building. <laughs> We're playing in January <laughs> and there's the building has no heat. Mm. It's like dark as fuck because the, they have like uh, like, you know, like a, uh, a lamp that you'd see in like a living room, like in the corner of your room, there, like a lamp with just the one single bulb and it's red. <laughs> and it's just like sitting there in the corner and that's like all the light for that room. And then it's the same thing in where you're playing. It's like you can barely see anything. It's like dark as fuck because they just have a single light bulb in the corner and you're just playing there. The band and everyone in the audience is sitting there able to see their breath wearing winter jackets. <laughs> I it, Thankfully, I play drums. The rest of my band, I can only imagine what it must have been like to try and play. Like I can't remember what it sounded like. Because I remember just trying to focus on myself, but it's like <laughs> playing guitar with cold hands is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then like tuning issues. Yeah, uh, just like yeah. I remember, we went outside, being like, "That was interesting." Like then we witnessed like a meth deal going on in the fucking corner, <laughs> and like again, like in the GTA, you you know you see some shit, but it's just like that was like that was really like, this is a lot rougher than we've been accustomed <laughs> to. Okay, cool. And then I remember we just like went out to like some random like casino bar type thing and like had a couple of beers and we're like let's just go home <laughs> <laughs> I think we were like 19 at the time um Brantford that that was like one of my first like real like out of town shows I mm-hmm. think um that was an interesting one uh I've got 
two really good stories from the very first tour I ever went on. Cool. Oh, perfect. Hi. What's happening? I, I just wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. So I'm on this podcast called Banecdotes where we discuss like crazy like uh, stories from like, you know, being in bands and stuff like that. Um, and I definitely <laughs> I definitely brought up the tour stories uh, of like when we were out east. Okay. Do you do you care if I mention your name or do you want me to bleep it out? Because I totally can. Like the story, I'm the podcast. The whole thing is is about telling like interesting stories from being in bands and stuff like that. And those are literally two of the most interesting stories I've ever had in my life. And I just I figured I'd call you to see like, do you want me to like blank out your name or do you care that I mention you? I have no idea. I don't really know how this affects me in any way. <laughs> <laughs> just call me Thomas. Just. Well, it's too late now. Or, or I could literally get Nick if I get a a soundbite of me saying Thomas. That's Phil. I'm not the editor. F- F- oh, are you gonna edit this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we edit it so that every time I say his name, I say Thomas instead? Yeah, we could totally do that. Oh my God! This. All right. So you're Thomas now. I've always wanted to be Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most you conversation I think I've ever had. I said, don't worry about it. Dude, I love you. Uh, I love you, too. Your phone sucks, though. Okay, noted. Good. Goodbye. (laughs) You can leave that in. Yeah. Put that before I tell the stories. Yeah, for sure. So that was, uh, so yeah, say his name. Just, that's Thomas. (laughs) Perfect. So we'll use that. that, Hold on, let me, oh, you want a soundbite? Thomas. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I'll give you one more. Thomas, that's the one. There we go. That that's the one. Awesome. That that that's great. Um, at the time, I was still in my first band again. Um, this is around. This is two thousand seven. Um, there was a band called A Rockwell Resolution. They were kind of the other bigger band in Brampton. We did everything together. Our our crews kind of melded into one big family unit. Um, we booked all like again once Monine Wheels on the Bus. All those guys went on to different things. We kind of took over the scene. Uh, their drummer was actually Dan Mills of Wheels on the Bus, who is a fucking phenomenal drummer. Like, absolutely phenomenal drummer. And he's playing right now for a band called Truce, if you want to check them out. Uh, they're rad. I'm trying to remember what their handle is. Is it Truth506? Because technically the band's based out of New Brunswick. Okay. With a guitar player that we both shared from those two bands. Um, and then he writes the drums in Brampton and then sends them over to, oh, cool. to him. Uh, also, ironically, uh, Dan Mills... Um, played in a band called wheels on the bus and now drives for brampton transit <laughs> so that's still one of my favorite jokes ever yeah and uh yeah it's great um so he wasn't able to go on this tour and i you know th- not only are they friends of mine but like i love their music mm-hmm. and like i always would i would like the idea of me being like oh i would love to fill in on dan for a sec because like their songs are so fun and i got that opportunity he wasn't able to do this tour and they were just like who the fuck like Jarrett knows all of our songs he's one of our best friends like yo do you want to fill in for dan on a two-week tour of the East Coast. You don't have to worry about hotel or gas or anything. You just worry about food because this is last minute. And I was like, uh, yeah, that sounds wicked. And then Dan filled in for me in my band Amherst while I was gone. We did like a bit of a swap. It was really cool. Um, and so, yeah, we did a, a two-week tour of the East Coast. Um, and so this is where things get wild. So 
one of my closest friends now, um, he and I prior to this tour have like never exchanged words. We're at like a million of the same parties because again, our two bands did everything together. We've been in the same room a million times and like we've never spoken because he's a bit of a fly on the wall until you get to know him. And I'm even debating on like if I should mention his name or not because <laughs> these stories are wild. Like he's a fucking settled down married man now. Okay. Um, should I? You know what? I'm going to say his name now and then if we need to bleep it out, that'll just add to the comedy of it. Uh, my buddy Thomas. Um, you would never know how wild he'd get because he's, when you first meet him, very quiet, very stoic and just like keeps to himself. And uh, so it's the first drive of the of the tour. You know, we just played in Ottawa, and now it's like, Jarrett, you and Kurt Thomas are he's gonna drive your co-pilot for the first thirteen-hour stretch. And I was like, okay, cool. Get in the car. Hey, what's up? What's up? You know, pleasantries and stuff. Um, and then uh, he's like, I'm gonna put on some music. Is that cool? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then he proceeds to like within the first note of feedback, I'm like, is this me without you? And he's like, yeah, man. I was like that's sick. I love this album. He's like, no one knows who this band is. I was like, I do. <laughs> and then like every day over the course of the tour, we became better friends. And it was like the best time because everyone, everyone else wanted to party on our downtime. Like he and I would like go for a walk or something. That being said though, there's two instances in which this dude out partied all of us. <laughs> and I had no idea he was even capable of this. Um, so the first night is in, we're in Nova Scotia. Um, we're near Dalhousie, uh, the, the campus there. Um, there's this place called Club Rain. We're out in the East Coast around Halloween time. So it's like the, all the weeks kind of surrounding Halloween. There's like Halloween parties and stuff going mm -hmm. on. So we show up. I had forgotten my ID in Ontario. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at first they didn't let me in. And then, like, they're all, like, going to go. I'm, like, I guess I'm just going to, like, walk back to the hotel room. And they're, like, are you sure? Like, I'm, like, yeah, it's fine. I, I grabbed some weed off my one band member. I'm, like, I'm just going to smoke this joint and wander off back. Eventually, I took a bunch of weird turns. I went on, like, a nice walk. But then I thought I was where the hotel was. And I walk out of this kind of alleyway. And I'm back out front of the club again. I'm, like, huh, okay. <laughs> and then Spencer's, like, yo, what are you doing? I'm, like, I thought this was the way of the hotel. Clearly not. And he's, like, yo, take my health card. He's, like. I think it look, it's blurry enough that, like, I think you might be able to get with. It fucking works. <laughs> I use his health card, and they let me in thinking that I'm my friend. Yes, perfect. Now we're in. We're partying, right? We're having a good time. S the same guy, my buddy Spencer, he uh, he tells the waitress that, like, oh, we're this band out of town. like, makes her feel like we're important. So she brings us a full tray of shots that we didn't pay for. That was great. <laughs> um, Thomas. Uh, his paycheck back home went through and then proceeded to buy, like, almost an entire paycheck's worth of Ryan Ginger's. <laughs> and um, I remember there's this whole scene where he's like, he walks up to this girl and he's like, kind of starts like dancing kind of like at her being like, yo, what's up? And then he just like, he does this move where I don't know why, but and he just like starts like flipping her off for some reason. <laughs> and then she like is like, what the fuck? And then kind of walks away and Thomas like turns her back around. And he's like, yo. And then he does it again. I'm just like, this is fucking weird. I come back five minutes later. Him and that girl are like cutting a rug on the fucking dance floor. Like she's just about it. And then they're just like dancing away. I'm like, how does he do this? So the night goes on. A few of us decide we're going to like dip early. We're not sure. So we kind of like, we're like, all right, everyone's going to do their own thing. Let's head back. Take it easy, right? We'll have an easy night. <laughs> so everyone kind of eventually like comes back to the hotel. Thomas. Not anywhere to be found. Um, but the last thing that I think was reported was that Thomas got thrown out of the bar and then he tried to run back inside <laughs> and then all this like shenanigans happened. So now it's like, you know, it's getting late. 
everyone's getting ready for bed and everyone like and at that time one of the guys that was in the band was like his best friend um and was like panicking about it he's like oh we're like dude it's probably fine it's all good right um that's we'll just i'm sure we'll hear from him let's just relax we all go to bed right it's morning time now no no sign from thomas <laughs> right so now our buddy is is full-blown panicking he's like dude where is he i don't know whatever and we're like okay just let's figure let's be rational about this because if we just freak out nothing's gonna get done and he's like what's the number for the police out here and one of our buddies is like not like sarcastically like 911 <laughs> so he dials <laughs> and then we're just like dude what are you doing and then he panics again and then hangs up oh no and we're like oh, oh my no. god so two minutes later we get a call from front desk <laughs> yeah being like, yeah, there's like a couple cops that are gonna come up and talk to you now. We're just like, fuck, hide the weed, hide everything, just like stash everything away. And then sure enough, these cops come in the room. We're like, hey, and we're just and like right away, we're like, listen, we're sorry. Like genuinely, our friend panicked. This guy told him like you know sarcastically the thing dialed. We're really sorry. Like he's just he's freaking out a bit because our friend's missing. He's like, oh, he's in the drunk tank. And we're like, we haven't even described him to you yet. And these stares in the face are like, short black man, last name Thomas. And we're like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> and then we're, he's like, yeah, he's in the drunk tank. We're like, yeah, we'll be over to pick him up shortly. <laughs> we show up at the fucking cop shop. And we're like, where the fuck is this guy? Right? Also, we get this like frantic call from his cell phone. He's like, hello? We're like, Thomas, where are you right now? And he's like, oh, dude. So like in the morning... They fucking like so like like they give him orange juice or whatever after he woke up you know just like here you go man like perk up whatever and then he had to pee really badly but he had already exited the building and felt weird about going back in so then he peed on the side of the building but there was a camera there so then he panicked and ran up a hill across the street and he's like he's like okay I think I see the van if you look behind you there's a monument at the top of the hill I'm right by that and we're like why and then he tells us about the whole thing about peeing on the side of the building comes down. And he's just like, oh, cool, all my smokes and stuff. Oh, and my cheese that I bought the other day. And he's like, oh, man. And then he's got, like, a bag of all his stuff. He's like, yeah, they made me take off my shoelaces so I wouldn't try and commit suicide. And like, he's just like, just what a fucking, we're just like, dude, get in the van. And we drive off. That's story one. Okay? <laughs> story two, a couple days later. All right? We go to, uh, do you know the Fufal Electrique in, in Montreal? Yeah. It's a pretty sick venue. It's, I've gone there a couple of times after shows yeah and the one tour yeah we thought we'd we thought our one buddy would fucking we dared him to do something i forget what it was we're like yo we're running here and like just throw down and this like whatever song was playing and he did we just watched <laughs> him get carried out oh that's like, interesting because it's like the funny thing is they have like there's like a room for like edm yeah then yeah. there's like kind of an area where they play rock and alternatives so they have like kind of like different areas of the bar that you can kind of dance to different music we're at that that area where you could do it and that's they just funny. weren't about it and we found him later and so i guess someone gave him something he was fucked we were that's... like we're leaving like i like legitimately thought he died like... <laughs> yeah we thought the same thing too so here's how this story goes <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah we're at this we're at this place and it's like we're having a great time you know people are like buying us drinks and stuff and just like you know especially when like i find that with the younger generation in montreal it's like when they found out that you're like from somewhere else they, they want to treat you to like mm -hmm. oh you're you're not from here oh like come on like come hang right so we're all having a blast um and like thomas he's definitely into like some edm and like he's He's such an enigma, man. Like, he and I bond over things like Meshuggah and, like, Weed Eater. And, like, he loves bands like Boris and, like, a lot of, like, stoner, sludgy doom stuff. 
They both have convert like he's just and then he's also super into like winter sleep and like American analog set <laughs> and like then he's also super into like a lot of disco and like reggae and stuff. It's he's such an interesting character and so like yeah, he went off to the EDM room and so I um I got whisked away by a young lady at the bar. Um and I just remember, like, everyone else is kind of doing their own thing. And I'm like, and the next day we had, like, a de- decent amount of free time, so it was all good. So I was like, Thomas, I'm going to this girl's house. Like, just just let you know. And he just looks at me, and he's like, fuck. And then he just, like, jokingly just pushes me. And he just shows me. He's like, fuck you, I'm dancing. I was like, <laughs> cool, bud. And then I was just like, I'll see you later. <laughs> I take off, right? So... I go and I stay over at this girl's house and then I'm just like, but now my phone is dead. I'm in Montreal. I don't know where I am and I don't know how to get back to my friends. And so now I'm at a point where I'm like, I, I'm like, what am I going to do? So I'm like out in the middle of nowhere. I go into a shop and ask to use their phone, which is already a hard conversation to have. Mm. Um, they especially like if they ever like. I remember one time the cops there like looked at my ID and saw that I had a French last name, but then heard like my lack of an accent and ability to speak French. And they definitely scoffed at me pretty hard. So like (laughs) I'm out there being like, technically I come from like a partially Francophone background and cannot communicate with any of these people. (laughs) And I'm like trying to be like, can I please use your phone? Um, And then I had to like off the top of my head back, like, you know, I had to remember one of the band members cell phone numbers. And I just, it fucking, like, in a weird Rain Man moment, it just clicked. I'm like, I know it. Dial him up. Yo, dude, I'm at the corner of looking around. I'm like, this street and this street. Can you please pick me up? And he's like, yeah, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Just come come on, grab me. Awesome. So that worked out nicely. They come scoop me up, and I'm like, oh, my God, guys, I can't wait to go back to the fucking hotel room and just, like, crash for a bit. They're like, nah, dude, we got to go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you mean? And they're like, yeah, last night Thomas got taken to the hospital. I'm like, what the? F- <laughs> okay, so a couple nights ago he was in the drunk tank. Now he's in the hospital. Can someone please fill me in on what the fuck happened? <laughs> so sure enough, they're like, yeah, last night I guess he had quite a bit to drink, and I think someone slipped him something or whatever. And so the story goes, he blacked out, and then they carried him out and they tried to like put him in a cab to send him to the hotel, but the cab driver didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, especially because we were kind of panically like yelling in English mm-hmm. and they were like no 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 and so as they were trying to get him in the cab the cab drove away and like oh it's like raining he like f- apparently like fell out of the cab or whatever so eventually I guess he got taken by like I don't know the whole story still I remember he got taken by an ambulance and they take him there and so like I'm just like what the fuck and like our again our friend who's like the one who's most concerned about him he's like panicking like calls Thomas mom <laughs> and we're just like why would you do that yeah, just fucking, the yeah. Worst thing. so like now I'm just like what the fuck like yeah Thomas ended up being taken to the hospital like what so now like I already hate hospitals I'm not about that and so now I'm like hungover in a hospital like eating a fucking apple that was given to me just being like can we please go (laughs) and then our our quote unquote tour manager Terry who's really just our friend who helped book all of it and like provided us with an ample amount of weed for the entire tour (laughs) um, goes to see what the situation is right and we find out that like He's trying to ask, like, okay, so what's with our pal or whatever? They're like, oh, yeah, he was on something. So he's just he's just kind of like, not like detoxing, but he's just like sweating at the last little bit of it. But apparently they were trying to say that they might have to take him to the psych ward. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, sure enough, like, that, yeah. That, so, like, Terry's like, yeah, he's going to have to stay here for a bit longer. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, all right, sure. So then we go back to the hotel room. 
we had to like cancel a show and so so we go to the we go to the fucking hotel room i pass out for like a good couple hours they all go out to like the bar or whatever next thing i know i wake up thomas just standing at the foot of my bed <laughs> just having a sip of something and then he just looks over at me he's like oh hey man i'm like what do you mean oh hey man like just like acting as if nothing's wrong nothing happened just like nonchalantly like hey dude what's, what's going on I'm like are you fucking kid are you okay you good like what's happening and apparently this is what like from his story and from someone else who went to go see him so apparently he legit they took him to like the psych ward because like he was still loopy on whatever he took that like there's one part part where he remembers like he went to go take a piss and like the fucking IV machine that they had him on it, it was on wheels, and he thought that that was our buddy Spencer. He was just talking to it. Um, he I remember someone went to go visit him, all while I was like sleeping and stuff, and apparently he's like, oh hey guys hold on let me check my thing it's I think we got a show tonight and he's like reading off a towel that's next to him, that he thinks is like his notes for like what our itinerary is for the day. And then I think that he thought he was rolling a cigarette that was actually his IV tube. And, like, I know this sounds wild, but this was corroborated by two other people. Yeah. Like, and they were, and one of them was a guy who was, like, panicking harder than anybody because that's, like, his best pal. And so, like, when they say that happened, I'm like, yeah, I don't have any reason to not believe that. Wow. And so, sure enough, that eventually, like, it all starts to wear off. And then at some point, he's just, like, apparently they fed him some, like, steamed vegetables and some, like, like, duck or something or like so like chicken like i don't know some kind of food and they're like um and eventually it starts to wear off and he's talking to like a psychiatrist or something and he's just like he just like came to and they're just asking questions he's like oh fuck he's like he just like kind of snapped he's like oh shit i gotta get back to my friends and they're like you're you're and essentially we're just like you're good he's like yeah no no i'm good i'm fine and they just let him go and i was just like this is insane and then we proceeded to uh everyone else wanted to go to the bar so me and him uh and this is very indicative of like what a lot of my adventures with Thomas were like is uh, everyone else wanted to party and we decided I was feeling like shit and so was he so we went out to get some pho had like a nice meal and then we went to the uh, Montreal campus and we tried to get in their food court lineup but we didn't have a student card so we bailed and then we ended up playing hacky sack with an orange with some jocks in, in their like quad area like just uh, those, that's like probably two of the most wild stories ever and this is like the first tour I've ever been on and it was only two weeks long <laughs> that's crazy and this happened with one guy and it's crazy because like he and I have had so many fucking adventures since then of just like it's crazy the things we've gotten up to but like it it's it's awesome now like he, you know he's like he's a married man he doesn't really party like that anymore he's still like one of my closest friends and it's just like and and anyone who's ever met him, I don't think, unless you've gotten to know him really well, like no one has any idea that he's capable of that <laughs> level of party. You know what I mean? And, and like the fact that I got to experience that, and this is like the first time I ever really met him, and we've been super pals ever since. <laughs>
got a couple more questions for you. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. What's your go-to gas station snack? Oh, um, I feel like for the last little while, it's like I never crave combos unless I'm like at an en route. Oh, cool. The combos s- come up a bit, eh? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like it's that's not my go-to normally. <laughs> but but when, like when I'm at a a gas station, for some reason, that's the one that pops into my yeah, head most. Yeah, that's a combos. Good one. Also, I think that sun chips are really underrated. I love oh, sun chips, but specifically just harvest cheddar and the and the uh, was that the onion one? The yeah, like is it French onion? Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah. Though, like I think that's an underrated chip. Yeah, sun chips. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. You don't hear people talk about that too often. Yeah, they're they're fucking tasty as hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I I like if I'm trying to like. I know it's not the healthiest snack, but it is slightly healthier. I, trail mix is good, right? Because mm-hmm. you're getting healthy fats from nuts, and you're getting natural sugars from dried fruit. So, and I don't get the one. I don't get the ones with the chocolate in it. But like, if you're if you're like on the road and you're really doing like a lengthy drive, and you're trying to have like a snack that's not like completely terrible for you, then trail mix is a is a great. That's option. a good. That's a yeah. good answer. That was when I was uh, in the peak of like my uh, working out phase at one of my old jobs. My buddy who was like really into fitness was like, yeah, like whenever I need like a snack in between meals, he's like, that's usually my go-to because it's good like filling, but you're giving yourself like, you know, nuts are really good for like healthy source of fats and like, you know, mm-hmm. and the only sugar you're getting is from like dried fruit. So like that's good to hold you over till your next actual meal. So that those are, it's either I'm hurting myself with combos or I'm trying to keep it real with some trail mix. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, What's the best gig you've ever played? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that last Kill Room gig. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just again, um, I've been playing shows since I was in the 10th grade. I've been doing it for a fucking long time. Um, having that kind of warm reception mm-hmm. um, when it's your first gig with a new band and like no one knows who you are and like you're the first band on and like watching people go off on that level. I mean, I do understand that there's probably a bit of like that extra hype because everyone was just stoked to be there in general. Doesn't matter. Mm-mm. Just the fact that like the and like the response that people gave us afterwards too is like you can always tell when someone is giving you like a disingenuous like mm-hmm. comment about right. your band, yeah. right? Like you can definitely totally. tell. Um but like people were like you could tell they were like really into it and like it was really cool like we're trying to plan like maybe like eventually like an EP release party and the and the boys uh, shout out to the boys in Rust. Yeah. Um you know, we're trying to toying around with the idea of maybe doing like a multi-cam set and stuff. And they're like, yo, let's like, they want, they want to help make it happen. They right. want to help facilitate it. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Like just the fact that they were stoked enough about the, the project. They're like, yeah, let's try and make that happen. Let's make this a thing. I was like, all right, cool. Um, That's the one most recently in memory. I'm trying to think Um, over the years, I'm trying to think if there's uh, any, I mean, honestly, um, back in my very, very first band, because there was a point at which we were kind of running the scene for a while, there used to be a point where, like, we kind of had a bit of, like, hometown hero status for, like, a little while. Again, with this band, Rockwell, and my band, Amherst, like, we used to pack the First Baptist, and we'd have, like, a sea of kids all at the front, like, headbanging mm-hmm. and just, like, all wearing your shirt. Like, there was, nice. like, a level of dedication during that kind of mid two thousand scene where, like, I still look back at that thinking that those are probably still some of my glory days, you know? I'm... I'm I'm hoping that, you know, with the reception that we got with Gavel, maybe we can relive a bit of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud to say that I've now got Greg in a, in a band with me again. And that I think that's also the other exciting thing about the Gavel show specifically is, like, we created this band, and it's, like, 
it's all my like favorite not not to say that I all my band members don't have like it's like I, I love all the bands I'm in mm-hmm. but like um my old band Burden and my old band Hammerth it's like it's kind of like I've taken like the some of that most heavy hitting dudes from those projects like Jordan as a bass player uh, Greg McGovern as our, as a our drummer and Greg Morley as my guitar player it's like I'm taking like some like the top tier musicians that I've worked with and we're all in one project together and the vibe in the room when we all get together and when we jam and when we finish a new song or when we play through a set, like everyone's just so stoked on it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's been a little while since I've like, we're all just kind of looking at each other in, in awe. Like, yo, this is, this is sick, right? You guys all, <laughs> you guys all feel that. Right. So I can't wait to show people that this record um, because of that. And yeah, that, that show to me kind of showed like the fruits of our labor of like oh yeah we're very stoked on what we've been doing and the payoff is is very clearly mm-hmm. there so that's great yeah that's excited i'm excited to hear that record Damn. yeah it's it'll it should be getting done fairly soon and shout out to my buddy Corey hoffing as our like engineer slash producer he uh he plays drums in the power metal band crimson shadows okay and he's also the drummer in johnny no cash and the celtic outlaws oh cool cool so uh, yeah, shout out to that dude. He's I've known that guy for a very fucking long time too. Also, uh, shout out to his podcast. Uh, we're talking drums, right? Um, and also, I would like to shout out one other guy, but also give him a fuck you because he's such a butthole. I talked to him regularly. Uh, Rob at Not Just a Phase. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that guy fucking badgers me like every day on Messenger, just being like, "When's the record gonna be done?" I'm like, "Shut the fuck up, Rob." Or like, he's listening. I know he's. Listening. I know he's listening. That's why I want to call. Him. He's like down the road right now. I'm seeing him tonight at the wedding. Yeah, so, oh, sick. Yeah, I'll tell him that Phil says fuck you as well. Um, but like, yeah, me and him, like, especially because he's very passionate about music too. But like, he and I were t- talking about like hot takes. Man, that guy. He and I fucking have some like words about like. My favorite Poison the Well record is You Come Before You. He's like, that's their worst record. I'm like, you're a fucking idiot, Rob. <laughs> and like most of our conversations are us like giving each other shit, but yeah. like in a good way. Right. I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. So like shout that. out to those two dudes for doing a really, really rad, uh, rad podcast as well. And I'm and thanks for having me out here. I've listened to a bunch of episodes of Banecdotes and like when you contacted me, I was like, yes. Like I always Hell get, yeah. ex- I, I got really excited that like you asked me to be on this. So I got one question for, actually I got two more left. Sure. We got, you're in Metallica. You are James Hetfield. Okay. What's your rock star dream rider? What's in the green room waiting for you? Access to all his fucking ESP guitars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I mean that, that that's part of the dream. Like I'm more nerding out about the fact that like that led that one legendary ESP explorer, the eat fuck explorer with like the middle finger inlays, yeah, yeah. like the white that thing's legendary fuck. But um I don't know, man. My rider would probably be like really simplistic i you know what it's like especially now in my 30s i'd probably opt for like making sure that i have like 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 protein shakes and like yeah salads and like you know what i mean like because the hardest thing on tour is staying healthy yeah and like sometimes it's it is especially on like the type of like i would actually like having the budget to eat well i think is actually more my thing i would be like booster juice at every single (laughs) yeah that dude not just their juice. Have you guys had like their actual food menu items? No, I haven't. Oh. God, they're fucking delicious. <laughs> so good. Shout out to Booster Juice. Yeah, shout out to Booster Juice. If you want to fucking endorse a <laughs> band and have like you know some like edgy marketing, hit me up, please. Um, yeah, I would do stuff like that. I would actually like try and maintain like, you know, obviously I would like um, 
uh, I, I would I would have some like tasty beers maybe and stuff like that. But a lot of it would genuinely be like just like healthy food items. That's just a great to, answer because we're all I'm, we're all at a level where we're all used to eating like shit mm-hmm. and like. It's, I think, if you want to have, like, the best shows that you can, the best way to do that is just to stay healthy. Like, fucking eat well and get, you know. I always feel like whenever we do Hellbent tours, me, at least me and Matt, are like, all right, we're going to, like, plan out, like, a thing to, like, not eat shitty fast food every day. And yeah, it doesn't even, like, make it to the first meal. <laughs> yeah, like, you guys are talking yeah. about it on the, like, van ride. Yeah, yeah. And then later that evening, yeah, yeah. you've already gotten uh, McDonald's yeah. oh, or Subway happened. or oh, something. Oh, dude, yeah. My last couple tours with sparrows do you know how many fucking chalupa boxes i ate (laughs) they're five dollars in the states and like you're just like you can't say no to that kind of budget you got a fucking shitty per diem like that's like like i i made sure though i did bring a um i brought my mixing cup and a little tub of protein powder with me so that my mornings were good and like i it's strange but you actually don't eat so bad when you're sleeping every night at walmart which sounds wacky, but you wake up, you go inside to get yourself a muffin, maybe a little bit of granola mm-hmm. and some fruit and whatever. So like at least your breakfast isn't terrible. And then yeah. I would eat my or drink my protein shake. The only better option is if you slept somewhere near an Ikea, because you go to Ikea, especially in the States, it's like for like three dollars, you get like a plate of eggs, sausage, toast. It's like they give you a big ass breakfast at Ikea. It, it was so like those were always a treat, but like nice. so your breakfast isn't so bad because like you know some yogurt, some whatever you're getting cheap shit at Walmart that's like not terrible for you. But then the rest of the day you're like, well, I guess it's Taco Bell twice today. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that would definitely be on my riders. Like just the ability to like eat decently. It, it's which is like probably the complete opposite of like when I was younger. But like now I'm like it. Ima- imagine you get to eat oh. that well before every show. You're fucking mm-hmm. crushing it every night because mm-hmm. you're like not feeling like a piece of garbage <laughs> awesome so i'm gonna one last question yes i'm, I'm gonna expose you okay <laughs> what are your top five favorite artists of all time number one artist of all time hands down imogen heap i knew you were gonna say yeah. that Did, i have we talked about this no i lurked your instagram yeah we talked about it for a you while. and i have talked <laughs> about, <laughs> about it for um, a while. yeah i am like a huge huge Im- right right now her dvd is in my car because i like to bring it to like introduce to people it's like really? it's a big thing yeah um at one like my favorite oh, here's another thing I can out myself for my favorite movie is Garden State oh with uh, Zach Braff yeah and yeah. Allie Portman yeah. yeah I love that movie it's a great movie I, I watched it at a very pivotal time during high school you know and like it, it definitely changed me a bit and that soundtrack though man yeah opening song Shins. Don't don't Panic by um, uh, Coldplay back when they That's were like right. a legit indie yeah. band and yeah then you've got two songs by The Shins yeah um, you've got um, Iron and Wine covering uh, the Postal Service, Such Great Heights. Yes! You know what I mean? Uh, and then the very last song is Fru Fru, uh, Let Go. I remember that song really moved me. I was like, wow, that's a beautiful song. And I remember during the mid-2000s, I had a crush on this girl, and I went to her MySpace page, <laughs> and, <laughs> and she had Speeding Cars and Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap, and I was just like, I recognize that fucking voice because no one sounds like that. Right. I know exactly who that is. And I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, it's the girl from Fru Fru. And then I just like kind of really delved in. And I, I thought like, yes, most of my leanings in music are typically towards aggressive, heavy. I love that shit. That's really my wheelhouse. But like, if I had to pick any artist to listen to for the rest of my life only, I am obsessed with her. I've, I've been able to see her twice, both at the Queen Elizabeth Theater in Toronto, which acoustically for her, st- it was like, Two of the coolest shows I've ever seen. That's so cool. And the last time I saw her, she did a she brought out Guy Sigsworth, who is the other member of Fru Fru, and they played a mixture of 
Imogen Heap and Fru songs. Oh, cool. That was mind blowing. That's man. awesome. Like, she's like the future of music too. She's like got this thing going on where she's like working with blockchain technology to ensure it's called mycelia and she's got this musical passport that's meant for artists it's like you know how you've got like all your different it's like this it's meant to be what's called your musical passport it's your one-stop hub as an artist to have all your links to all your different material how to contact you and all that kind of stuff and the way it works is that when someone contacts you through that and stuff if you were to do a guest spot on a record or someone hires you to do something on whatever it makes sure that the future generation gets paid properly in their royalties for the work that they do oh cool so she's That's trying cool. to foster this kind of like community where like music becomes sustainable for the in, uh, independent artist mm -hmm. so that whenever you do work with someone it's done through this passport so that you properly get paid for the work that you do holy shit that is so cool and on top of that have you guys seen the shit that she's doing with her gloves I, no. No. Uh, she has these gloves that she's been developing with a team for like the past few years. She's done two TED Talks on it. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll link you guys later. It is mind-blowing. She's able to access her entire Pro Tools rig with these gloves and based on using gyroscopes and shit. And so she has an app called Glover. And in the app, she's able to say, you know, um, she programs different hand gestures. Okay. And different um, things, and and so based on what hand gesture she's making and where it is in virtual space, she tells the app what parameters of her Pro Tools it affects. So she does this one hand gesture, and she holds it out here. So right in front of her is zero percent um, wet signal. When she holds her hand all the way out, that's one hundred percent reverb, and so she's able to then also create loops. Like she doesn't have to go to her computer. She has all these different scenes programmed in these gloves where in real time she can fuck with her Pro Tools rig and do whatever she wants That's using wild. these using these gloves that sense where she is in virtual space. With, uh, they developed it originally with an Xbox Connect. Huh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Send, me, send me that later. I want yeah. to see, I want the, to see that. The only other person I've seen use and, sh and and they're trying to make it open source technology so mm -hmm. anyone who buys them can make them do whatever cool. they want. Wow. Yeah. That's neat. Right? And so... Um, the only other person I've seen use them professionally, um, the only person who's probably as big of a fan as I am of her is Ariana Grande. Really? Yeah. If you look back far enough in Ariana Grande's um, YouTube channel to when she first started off, and it's just her doing covers of stuff in her bedroom, it's her with a looper doing Imogen Heap covers. And she really? did a cover of Imogen Heap's Good Night and Go, and now when Imogen plays that song live, she does like a mashup version of Ariana's version and hers. Oh, fun. And, and I've seen Ariana get the gloves because she's obsessed with her too, and I was like, that. as much as I don't necessarily like Ariana's music myself, like I appreciate the fact that she's also such a nerd about the artist that I love most. Yeah. What's up? I'll go, I can go on to about my Ariana Grande oh? later. She's sick. That, she is. <laughs> Undoubtedly. That record was... Like I don't necessarily have to enjoy the music year. to understand that she's like an incredible artist. Just like everyone in Red Hot Chili Peppers is an amazing musician, but they've never written a song that I like. <laughs> yeah, but they kind of suck. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I hate that band. Anyway, yeah, so t top artists though, it, it 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 like I have like every band I listen to is essentially like my favorite band. It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. Certain bands really stand out to me though. Like obviously Metallica is a huge one yeah. for me. Extremely influential for me. Um bands like uh, one of the most important bands in my life is like Touche Amore. Cool. I am hugely yeah. influenced by Touche Amore. Some of the most honest lyrical like songs that truly speak to me so personally. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, uh, before Touche Amore kind of took precedence, I was uh, very into Balanced Composure. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and this is the thing. Some bands that like 
it's always in flux. I'm either finding some new band that I love or going back to my old favorites, and it's always in this cycle. So, like, right now it's fall. I'm listening to a lot of AFI's Sing the Sorrow, which, yeah, sure, I got into them during, like, the early days. I'm a huge fan of Black Sails and Sunset, Art of Drowning, the, the All Hallows EP. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. But, yo, as a kid who was in high school during, like, the emo, the, the third wave emo boom, I loved Sing the Sorrow. It's it was one of my favorite records. I love that fucking yeah. record. So... I love that kind of shit. Um, I love. I'll never get bored of like the Acacia Strain. No. Um, I I will never get bored of Combat Kid. Yeah, solid. Bands. Um, but I'm also some of my other favorites of all time. Like I love the Cranberries a lot. Cranberries. My mom got me really, really into uh, and like Alanis Morissette. That's cool. like, um, you know, my yeah. dad was the one who got me into like Metallica and like ACDC and nice and shit like that. So I'm. I don't know. It's it's always like a cycle of of stuff. Oh, right now I can't stop listening to Churches. They're oh, also yeah. a band that I am. I adore. Yeah. I love what they do. The fact that Deftones, you know, that day of the Deftones, the fact that they had Churches and Hatebreed on the same bill, holy fuck, take yeah, my money. Yeah, that's fucking sick. Yeah, I, I love. <laughs> I like. I love Hatebreed so much, and they're kind of like the ACDC of hardcore, where they've kind of they've never really reinvented their sound. But I don't think I ever really get bored of it either. That's a good point. That's a good an ACDC mm. of hardcore. Yeah, You're right. But it's like I. I don't get bored of Hatebreed, even though they've been kind of doing the same thing forever. Yeah. I think they just do it well. Yeah. Right. Like. I don't know, so I'm trying to, what other artists can I say are like my favorite of all time? It's 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 hard to it's hard to say. Lately, yeah, lots of lots of let's you know, let's quickly go to my fucking uh Spotify real quick. What I've been listening to. Yeah, let's take a look at what I've been into lately. Um Oh. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Rolo Tomasi. Okay. Um, UK band that like Back in their early stuff, they were a lot more like Iris LeBear once, kind of like very dated, techie, kind of like, you know what I mean? Very sounds like the mid-2000s. Yeah. The stuff they've written in more recent years, they have an album called Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It. One of the most, it's like a perfect record. Yeah. Uh, I think from front, it's it's so, it's almost like theatrical and like cinematic. Uh, imagine a Between the Buried and Me that's a little bit more focused because mm-hmm. Between the Buried and Me does a lot of genre jumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ge- I, genre jumping. Genre. genre jumping. Sorry, let's jumping. use take use take two. Um, they do it in a way that there's there's hills and valleys. There's hard and soft. Like This album is all over the place in that way, but I think it's a little bit more focused in terms of like you're not going to hear like a polka part on this record yeah. <laughs> next yeah. to like a blast beat, but there's definitely like some real... Um, curveballs on that album but mm-hmm. I, I think in total it's like probably one of the it's one of the most brilliant records so that's another one and they just released a new track recently that i'm a huge fan of um i think that spirit box is doing some really fucking yep. cool shit yeah and i know that like i, I they're kind of one of those bands that gets lumped into like those a lot of people like to slide them off because it's like that modern yeah there's like it's a bit more produced there's oh, like something it's fucking cool yeah. though man also those guys have a bit of a pedigree both uh, Courtney and her, her husband, the guitar player, they were both, you know, in the later years of I Wrestle Bear yeah, once, yeah. Mm-hmm. and their bassist was in Textbook Fucking Tragedy, yeah. one of my favorite I'll bands. Do, I'll do you one better. Do you remember their band bef- before she joined uh, I Wrestle the Bear once? What's, what band? She, she was in a band called, uh, fuck, now I'm on the spot. Oh, I need to know. <laughs> Phil, come on. Um, it'll come, um, it's a it's a Transformer. Oh. Mm. Oh. Really? Yeah. And it, it was very. Is it Starscream? No, no, no. Because that would—that's a great name. It was very. It was. It was practically. I wrestled a bear once, which made it perfect for her to uh, transition. To that transition band? to that. Oh man, this is gonna bug me. I gotta figure it out. Oh dude, I yeah, gotta yeah. figure it out. But um, yeah, what they're doing, I, I think, is fucking awesome. And yeah, they're basically. I, I'm a huge textbook tragedy fan, and also he was in Living with Lions, which is another. That's right. Yeah. Right, like he's excellent in terms of like 
obviously being in the hardcore scene like there's a lot of like hardcore's got a lot of really really good shit going on right now whether it be local or otherwise like um obviously turnstile put out a record that like again is another one where people are very wily feel very differently about it i think it's really cool um i'm one of them like one of my favorite records these days i've been listening to a lot of that band oh um back a while ago uh george from alexis like this is back in 2000 maybe 12 or whatever he told me to listen to majority rule oh go ahead you unicron oh that yeah that makes sense yeah unicron <laughs> yeah, that's a great name um he got me into uh, majority rule and it was kind of also interesting when i was like oh yeah i could definitely see where you took vocal influence from this band i get it and i got really into that band um and i always wondered like what they were up to and then so in recent years i fucking discovered that band no man yeah dude that what was that album they put out um the more recent one, it's got like a black album cover, but like that record has been one of my favorite things I've been listening to for like the last little while. Um, it's fucking incredible. What's it called? Hold on. It's right here. It's called Prey. It came on 2020. That, um, bands like Scowl, uh, Mortality Rate. Yeah, Mortality Rate. Oh man, Mortality Rate's so good. You check out the, there's um, ah, there's a. Also that Australian band, have you guys listened to Speed? Yeah, speed sick. Um, speed sick. Speed sick. Um, um, victim to none. Victim um, to numb. On, honestly, I've been getting introduced to a lot of good stuff through uh, Jordan and Kyle from my from my band Gavel. They're they're always like a they're listening to a lot of that uh, that other podcast marked for life. Yep. And uh, so they've got their ear to the ground to like a lot of shit where sometimes I'm kind of like not always as tapped in, but you know, I it's really there's a lot of really good shit out there right now. Have you listened to Dying Wish? No, uh, but haven't they been around for like I know that that name is is that the one I'm looking thinking of around for a while, haven't they? Uh, no, I believe they're Ooh. yeah they're, they're. I would like to shout out a record that doesn't get enough recognition. That was a really, really, really big influence on me. Not necessarily for Gavel, but just hardcore in general. Um, uh, this is a record that it's like I've wanted to post about it because I think it's it's a really amazing piece of work that like no one will really ever discover. I think. Um, it's an album from 2008. The band is called Dawn the Reader, D-O-N, like Dawn the Reader. I found out about them because there was an, there was a commercial for one of their EPs on Adult Swim one night. Okay. Yeah. And um, they released this album called Humanesque. And it's got like a bit of like botch, Dillinger, Poison the Well. It's like chaotic, but also ambient at times. Like... It's one of my favorite records of all time. Downloading it right oh, now. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a record that like I, I want to share with everyone because it's one of those things where it's like, there's no real reason why it would even come up in your algorithm. Right. It's on Spotify, but like, yeah. but yeah, Definitely. but like, that album is fucking incredible um, from front to back, and it was like I remember I just discovered it because I was I was watching Adult Swim one night at the right time. That's so cool. And. I got into them. I'm like, why don't people know this fucking band? And it's like, I, I want people to go and listen to that record, especially like listening to it now. It still is like, if you were to like listen to something a bit more on like the techie side, like kind of like uglier side of hardcore, it still stands the test of time. It still sounds fantastic. Um, and I, I really, I think it, it's sad how little notoriety that that band got considering like what a brilliant album they made. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I can't speak highly enough about that record, and I think it's like a very 
very unsung hero of that era of like kind of later mid to late 2000s hardcore fuck yeah i'm gonna listen to it on my way home oh yeah. yes dude <laughs> awesome well i think we'll end it there uh jared thank you so much for dude. taking the time to do this with me absolutely thanks for having me where can the listeners find all the social medias and if there's anything else you have left to plug now would be your time <sighs> okay let's see here um I feel like the the platform I use most is probably Instagram because mm-hmm. I tend to post about all my different stuff there. Uh, you can find me at Jarrett Maylet. Um, it's J A R E T M A I L L E T. Yeah, I've that's probably the best place to find me. Um, I'm in the band Hostage. Uh, if you look on Spotify, it's Hostage Nine Hundred Five. I think that might also be our handle on instagram i actually can't remember off the top of my head is. right now yeah i believe it is so. yeah um and then um i'm also in the band powerbomb which if you look a powerbomb as one word all caps on spotify you'll find us um and then on instagram we're powerbomb hc uh gavel is the one that i'm currently in uh like that i'm that i'm working on right now um we're actually hidden from everything at the moment. Right now, we're we're we're, we're waiting until we're ready to, to allow everything to drop. So mm-hmm. like again, if if you just follow me on my main social, like you'll know when it happens. And then I guess the other thing is that I didn't even really mention, but like uh, in my spare time, I've been chipping away at a solo EP. I've talked to you a little yeah, bit about yeah, it, but I've got it, uh, it's very much like uh, if you're a fan of balance and composure, Touche Amore. Um, apparently some of my friends have been like telling me that like some of the more ambient parts remind them of explosions in the sky. Oh, cool. Um, you know, that kind of shit, maybe a bit of basement and stuff like that. Like if you're a fan of that, I'm currently working on a record that's, it's going to take some time. I'm, I'm doing everything myself. Um, but it's like, it's music that I'm very, it's very personal to me. Mm-hmm. So eventually again, uh, on my socials, if you're a fan of any of those bands, you might dig what I'm, what I'm working on. Hell Yeah. Right on. Dude, thank you. Let's thank wrap you so it much. up. Also, shout out to, I'm going to do one more plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do your thing. And it's for Nick, because uh, right now we are currently sitting at Schoolhouse Studios. I have tracked three different things. Uh, the Hostage record was done here. Uh, Powerbomb EP was done here. Powerbomb Full Length was done here. Um, and just uh, the gentlemen that I'm sitting here with are just wonderful dudes. I've been very privileged to share the stage with them. I love coming here to this studio. It's always fun. So if you ever need any um, engineering done, if you need to record a record, uh, one spot that you should definitely check out, especially because it's just a, such a cool space. Uh, Nick's tracking records out here in Schoolhouse Studios, which is located in Dundas, Ontario. Um, and then also, I mean, hey, if he's busy, th- you got your boy Davis Maxwell yeah, Davis next door next as well, door. who's who's the new resident in yep. the room next door, who's also making crushing records. He recently did um, my bandmates in... Uh, their other band, uh, Deadly Game. He's he did the Reliever record. Yep. Um, he's got again, both both right. Nick and Davis have a a wealth of experience behind them and some really cool records under their belt. So please check them both out here at Schoolhouse Studios. Thanks. Hell You're yeah! <laughs> right on. You can use that as like <laughs> use that as like promo. That's the ad. <laughs> going on the website. There the you ad, go, yeah. bud. <laughs>
there you have it, folks. That was my episode with Jarrett Mallier of Hostage, Powerbomb, and his brand new band, Gavel, which doesn't have any tunes out just yet. So sit tight and make sure you do check them out when they do drop their shit because they put on a hell of a performance when I saw them at the Kill Room uh, back in September. We got the show started off with Hostage, uh, their song Black Void, and then next I played from them Blue on Black. And in the middle there, we hopped over to Jarrett's other band, Powerbomb. We played their song Crucifix, and then just at the end there, you heard The Man by Powerbomb. Hell of a dude. Glad I got to sit down and talk with him. He was a riot. Uh, now, before I leave, I'm going to tell you that um, uh, in my home city, uh, Warehouse Niagara has started putting on shows again. So I'm going to plug some quick dates there for you. Uh, October 28th, the Electric Dead are doing their Halloween bash. Uh, October 30th, Cowboys from Hell, a Pantera tribute band, is playing Warehouse. Uh, Eaten by Sharks, Chris Chaps band, uh, is playing November 5th uh, with Sky Caught Fire, uh, which was Shiko's uh, band. Uh, Sam Coffee and the Iron Lungs are playing, uh, playing November 10th, November 17th. James Blonde is hitting Warehouse. Uh, and then both 19th and the 20th, uh, the Dirty Nil have sold out those dates. Uh, so if you don't have your tickets yet, you're not going to get them in uh, unless you're going to find some scalpers, which I recommend not doing because you're going to overpay the crap out of that. Danko Jones is coming to St. Catharines December 8th. Uh, and Cancer Bats are hitting here again uh, December 11th. I think that show's still going on. I know Scott just announced his departure from Cancer Bats, uh, but I, uh, I think they'll be able to carry on without him uh, i'm sure they'll be able to replace him with someone rad not that scott isn't rad uh but uh, he said he's focused on recording and uh family matters at hand so uh if you didn't check that out you're hearing it now uh, on anecdotes i'm gonna get going though folks i got lots to do today i'm gonna go see the new halloween tonight i've heard lots of mixed reviews about it we'll see um but i'm gonna get going take it easy folks <laughs>